is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Oh, what's up, everybody? Hope you had a great weekend. Welcome to another week of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Lots going on. CFL free agency tomorrow. The Jets back in action tomorrow night. NHL resuming play this evening. And, of course, the Super Bowl coming up on Sunday in L.A., between the Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals. We have a lot to get to today. Jets back on the practice ice this afternoon at 4 p.m. before beginning their final 40 games in a very dire situation. We'll get to all of that with Jeff Hamilton coming up a little later on, and we'll certainly have some time to uh, talk bombers with Jeff Hamilton. Big signing today. We'll get to it, Brady Oliveira. Uh, but the big question is, what does that mean for Andrew Harris with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. No contract extension right now. And uh, I know there'll be very, it'll be an interesting chat with Hammer when it comes to the Andrew Harris situation, what this could mean for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and his CFL playing career here in his hometown, uh, as well as everything happening around CFL free agency. And again, we'll get to quite a bit of Jets talk with Jeff in, in addition to that. After 2 p.m., if you're watching with us live on YouTube, we will be joined by CFL TSN insider Dave Naylor. Be great to catch up with Nails, talk about what's happened around the league, as well as his thoughts on the Harris situation and what's happening here with the blue and gold. Um, as we get going, a big shout out to the sponsors that make Winnipeg Sports Talk happen every day, including F Apparel, Vita Health, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course our friends at Cool Bet Canada. Bit of a different weekend. I mean, a lot of golf, curling, Olympics, uh, and it was the all-star weekend for the National Hockey League and of course Pro Bowl weekend in the NFL. Let's get Michael Remus in here as we welcome everyone into chat. Great to see you all with us. Remo, how, uh, how was the weekend? Yeah, double all-star weekend, Huss. That's awesome. Remember when, you know, sp pro sports wanted nothing to do with Vegas. You know, we wanted to have, you couldn't have gambling references for the new Vegas hockey team name. Well, <laughs> there they were on Friday night at the Bellagio, shooting pucks into the fountains and, you know, playing a mock blackjack game as part of the skills competition, 21 and 22. Um, and then you got the Pro Bowl back to back in Vegas. I'm here for it. Just have the All Star game in Vegas every year. This is awesome. It'll actually be in Florida next season. So yeah, warm climates only in the January February All Star game. But uh, a lot of sports Olympics underway, and of course the CFL, um, you know, free agency period, which has been wild this morning in terms of news relating to the Blue Bombers. So. You know, even though the Jets are off us, there is a lot going on here. And uh, happy and yeah, happy Monday. I'm I'm happy here. All right. I'm going to welcome everyone in chat, including Ryan Friesen. I know Ryan's trolling all you guys again, folks. Uh, I can confirm the bounty has been retired. Ryan Friesen has paid. He uh, he he did pay the official $40 in Canadian currency via electronic transfer on the weekend. So Ryan, thank you for that. I had a couple uh, little brown jugs on you, um, but it wasn't it wasn't as great as I would have enjoyed it if not only did I win the bet, but the Chiefs were actually playing this coming weekend uh, because you know drinking the little brown jugs while watching Mahomes in the Pro Bowl wasn't exactly the way I was expecting to win the bet. Anyways, I know he's saying that he hasn't paid. He's full of it. 
he has paid ryan thank you for that so uh we, we will we'll put that story to rest because i knew it was going to dominate the chat for the better part of the uh of the day hey listen before we get back to football and the hockey talk in the weekend um carrie anderson remo We've talked a lot about the Bombers trying to three-peat next year in the CFL. Well, Manitoba already home of the three-peat as Carrie Anderson and her teammates win a third consecutive Scotties championship yesterday in Thunder Bay. And it was wild, the route that they took. I mean, they were 8-0 perfect through the round robin and then lost the critical game on Friday night to get to the 1-2 game and ended up having to win three more games to do it. But they got it done. They have been the uh, class of women's curling for three years now in our country. Um, a real tough weekend for the Tracy Flurry rink who, you know, got their skip back and ended up losing in that three, four game and then losing to carry in a winner to, in a winner, move on loser out matchup. Um, but overall great weekend for Manitoba ranks, especially the Anderson group. And uh, I imagine there was another big party down in Gimli last night as uh, they're getting used to this, uh, bringing the uh, Scotty's championship back to the inner lake. Yeah, oh, shout out to Rob Mahoney for the $20 shoot super <laughs> chat saying bounty for Ryan Friesen's head. He's, uh, he says, whether guilty or, or, I can't scroll up here, my mouse. Whether paid or not, he's guilty of something. Hashtag yeah. no mercy. Well, but, there can be an internet bounty, a chat bounty on Freezer. Uh, but yes, he uh, he is back in the good books of WST but after uh, taking care of his invoice. Going on to the curling, um, you know, it was a pretty incredible, you had the Scotties final going on last night. And at the same time, Rachel Homan and John Morris were in the mixed doubles fighting for their, you know, fighting to get into the medal round. Oh. But uh, just mentioning this for Kerry Anderson, uh, I believe they're the fourth team to complete a three-peat in the Scotties joining Saskatchewan's Vera Pezzer. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. 71 to 73. Winnipeg's Jennifer Jones, of course, 2008 to 2010. And Nova Scotia's Colleen Jones with three titles starting 2001. So that is an elite group of women there. And congratulations to Carrie Anderson and her, her team for third consecutive Scotties. I got to go to Gimli now and uh, have a beer in honor of them next time I'm there. No doubt. I mean, they'll be, I'm sure they were partying at the Viking all week with yeah. uh, Carrie and uh, the team bringing, uh, bringing back the, and you know, what's great. Um, and, you know, and we'll hopefully get Carrie on the program and we can talk about it. I mean, she basically lived in a bubble last year for the better part of two months. I mean, between the uh, the Scotties and the World Championships. This year, the Worlds, I believe, are back in Prince George. So, you know, by that time, I mean, hopefully they'll have fans in the buildings. I mean, maybe Carrie's family can go and be a part of it because, um, you know, all this winning has really taken a toll on her family side of things I and mean, me being away from her kids for as long as she was last year. Um, nothing's been easy except seemingly for what they've been doing on the ice. So huge congratulations to the Anderson rink and uh, man, just a heartbreak for Holman and Morris last night. And, you know, Rachel Holman has not had great luck at the Olympics. Um, they didn't have many options. I shouldn't say they had many options. They didn't have a, basically a good or fair way to decide who was going to be representing Canada in the mixed doubles. They picked two of our most accomplished curlers, but certainly a big disappointment for John Morris and Rachel Holman, not to be part of the medal round after losing that um, do or die game last night against the Italians. Yeah. Holman missing a couple shots near the end, or did uh, John Morris over sweep and they had to pull out the measurement for that final shot. And it was just like a smidgen away very disappointing for Rachel Holman and John Morris and Rachel Holman you know was in the Olympics the last one in Pyeongchang and felt short of the podium as well so I know Ted 
had the call and we spoke with him about, you know, questionable methods in determining this team. Maybe there were some other teams that were, you know, better equipped to go, but this is the team they picked. Uh, A disappointing result. No matter who they were picking, there was a bunch of other very worthy teams that were going to felt like they were, you know, left on the outside. And I mean, I I, I didn't envy that the the curling Canada for having to make that decision when the event that got, got canceled. And it really sucked that, you know, I mean, I was actually looking forward to getting out to Portage La Prairie and watching some of that. So uh, didn't get the opportunity to do that. Canada will not get a medal in mixed doubles. Uh, we can only hope that our men's and women's teams, uh, skipped by Brad, Brad, Brad Gushu, and of course by Jennifer Jones, fare better than our uh, our mixed doubles team. Uh, was a great weekend for uh, Canada at the Olympics, though, Remus. Uh, really, the last 24 hours have been a ton of medals. Uh, highlighted, and I know people are talking about it in chat, by the uh, the slope-style boys. Mm. Mark McMorris with a third Olympic bronze medal and Max Perot with our first gold medal of the uh, of the Olympics. Yeah, I, it took me a bit to get into the Olympics. I think because they had the events before the opening ceremonies. It doesn't officially kick off until the mm-hmm. opening ceremonies in my mind. And over the weekend, I was very into the women's and men's slope-style. I think snowboarding slope-style might be the marquee event the fact that anyone can go and do those kind of tricks off those massive jumps it's so awesome to watch so full full credit to max perot who won and mark morris was at this third medal i mean both those guys overcoming adversity mark morris i mean he had a career-threatening injury i think he had a horrific life-threatening injury i mean dude almost died yeah, I remember we, we had him on with Rick on the old station and talking about it and it was sounded absolutely insane that he was even able to ride again and I think Max Perot had a cancer diagnosis as well that he had to overcome. So um, pretty, uh, pretty incredible. A couple of great stories. And McMorris yeah. is, I mean, obviously his brother was doing the call on it. Oh, so, I mean, a pretty cool incredible. family. Pretty cool family. Wanna, yeah, Craig does a Sorry, really, really Mac, good job. Max Perot had Hodgkin lymph, lymphoma, just to, wow. uh, just to be clear there. Um, but I'll tell you what, I mean, have had the chance to meet those guys um, and Mark in particular. In fact, after the riders won the Grey Cup and whatever that was, 2013, um, we, he's a, you know, a big Red Bull athlete. I was with a bunch of the Red Bull gang and they had an area at a bar afterwards and uh, ended up getting a chance to meet with him, chat. He was in his rider jersey, proud Regina kid. So uh, um, he's done amazing things in that sport and for the sport. Um, and it always just strikes me as the most bizarre thing that a dude from the yes. flattest place on earth, Regina, Saskatchewan, would become king of the hill when it comes to Olympic snowboarding. But uh, still getting it done and uh, another medal for the uh, for the trophy case. Yeah, I lo- again, I love that snowboarding slope style. Good way to kick off the Olympics. Now I'm in the mood. I'm staying up late. I did stay up late. I was hoping to watch Canada and ROC last night. What a bizarre situation where Canada... You know, this is the reports. Rob Longley from the Toronto Sun was was there tweeting it out last night. It seemed like Canada was waiting to get the test, the COVID test results from ROC, and ROC hadn't delivered them, or they're still waiting. I don't know if it was gamesmanship or what, but after a lengthy delay, they had to play the game in N95 masks, which sounds terrible, but it didn't seem to affect Canada. They won in dominating fashion yet again, and. They'll be back in action tonight at 10 o'clock, 10-10, against USA for the rivalry Now match. it gets real. Now yeah. it gets real. The two, uh, I, I mean, I was hoping, and I always have been hoping, that there'd been a, you know, that Finland and Sweden and some of these other countries would start, like, not beat us, 
but at least be, no. you know, become a little bit more competitive. And while those teams have gotten a lot better, so has Canada, so has the Americans, and they continue to push each other. So um, this is really what it's all about. I don't think anyone uh, doesn't think that this is the only time they'll be playing. In all likelihood, they'll be playing for a gold medal a little bit later on. Uh, but as we've seen, both teams sort of take care of their opponents handily, even wearing N95 masks last night. Um, this is what it's all about, Canada-USA, in one of the greatest rivalries reasons sports, regardless of uh, regardless of sport, this is one of the greatest rivalries around. Oh, yeah, Canada-USA in women's hockey. I mean, the elite, uh, memorable games in all, all, you know, in the Olympics, what, in the Worlds. We, they just had uh, the one, Marie-Philippe with the multiple overtime winners, who uh, Sean Fitzgerald just had an article about the 2002 final. You know, remember Canada, I remember there was controversy celebrating with, what, cigars and oh no beer on the ice after the game with <laughs> Healing Wickenheiser. So I know it's just a, you know, preliminary round game, but still very, uh, you know, you know, it's going to get heat, you know, it's going to be intense hockey. So I'm looking forward to that. I wasn't, I've been seeing all these tweets, you know, I'm not in the, into the Olympics. I'm, I kind of wasn't in early, but the slope style really fired me up. And then we'll have uh, men's and women's curling coming up. And men's hockey starts later in the week. And I know the NHLers aren't there, but I am looking forward to seeing how Canada does. Yeah, am I, I mean, when I think about the events, I mean, I don't mind watching some of the speed skating. The short track's always fun. Mm -hmm. You never know what's going to happen. Uh, but to me, the women's hockey is, is the event. I mean, you know, no disrespect to the men that are playing. Uh, but, you know, there was so much anticipation for the NHLers. They're not going to be there. We'll still be watching the games and cheering on Team Canada, but the anticipation is nowhere what it would normally be. Um, so to me, it's this game tonight. It'll be the gold medal game in women's hockey. It will be the curling, love curling. I think there's a lot of people here, and particularly in Manitoba, that share that. So we'll look forward to seeing Gushu and Jones try and get it done and bring back some gold medals. Um, and then the snowboarding events are so neat. The slope style might be the best one of the mm -hmm. mall ream. I mean, I do love the half pipe. And of course, we'll have the women's events coming up as well. So uh, there'll certainly be a lot. And there's also ski jumping. I was not aware that there was mixed team ski jumping. But yes. uh, Canada on the podium in that. And I think that surprised a lot of people because that is a sport that is normally dominated by the Scandinavian. Yeah, I'm not familiar with mixed team ski jumping. I guess you have males and females and you combine their jumping. This is the one where you just jump really far. So that's, I mean, congrats to them. That's pretty cool. Yeah, new events. The other snowboarding event, I like uh, snow and ski cross where you have uh, the race. And that's the one famously... Uh, I keep bringing up Lindsay Jacobellis, like years ago, did the method grab when she was in first and fell and, and lost. Everyone, <laughs> I think everyone remembers that. But she went on to have a great career, but sadly remembered, remembered for that incident. But yeah. Self-inflicted L with that mm. uh, should have been a gold medal uh, on that. So, you know, we'll be talking Olympics all weekend long or all week long with some updates and maybe even a few guests. We'll hopefully get Ted on at some point from Beijing. Uh, when we can work out the times to uh, to join us. But of course, he's covering the Olympics for Post Media. You can check out his work in the Winnipeg Sun. Uh, but let's get back to these All-Star games for a minute. Not that there's too much to talk about, Reem. I did enjoy the skills competition this year more than I normally do. Um, but I have to admit, Kyle Connor would have definitely been up for best flow. Uh, his hair looked amazing when he was doing the fastest skater. 
But I have to think if he had maybe, you know, a ponytail or something a little more aerodynamic, he might have won it if it wasn't for that mane flapping in the wind as he went around the ice. Yeah, shout out to the Jets Instagram for posting some pictures of Kyle Connor's hair, which is looking absolutely majestic lately. <laughs> like how many how often does he comb it? What kind of product is he putting in it? Uh it looks really good. And I mean in the event like the race there, sorry, the fastest skater. Every second counts, Hess. When you have your hair flowing behind you like that and not tied up, trying to make it aerodynamic as possible, I do think he probably could have shaved off a couple seconds easily. But I mean, who cares about winning when you can look good? And I mean, you could look that good exactly. Yeah, like who cares? Who cares? Here's the picture. Hold on. It seemed like he had a really good, uh, a really good time out there being a part of the skills competition. He was dangerous in the. in the all-star game event, I was a little choked that they weren't able to, uh, to win the, the final and win that million bucks. But the central division team was, uh, was outstanding. Although, uh, ended up, uh, it ended up going to the East, uh, as they, uh, they lost in that final, although pathetic performance by the Pacific division, they didn't even try in the first game. And I think that was disappointed for a lot of people, you know, that wanted to maybe see a little more, bit more Connor McDavid, Gary Bettman probably wasn't too pleased. Yeah, I mean, I have no idea. It was the All-Star game. I was just thrown off. I was really thrown off, Huss, that they had the All-Star game at 2 in the afternoon on a Saturday. I don't know if that's because of Olympics or what. I mean, we talked about All-Star game. I just assumed. I never looked at what time it was. Like, they didn't even have it on my uh, score app that I used to check the times of the games. I just assumed it would be at 6 p.m., like a regular hockey night in Canada. But I guess it's Vegas. They want to have the game done early and also not conflict with the Olympics. Um so, you know, have it early and then you can go party and go see Zed later at night. I think that's where the NHL party was. I saw it on uh, on the bar down TikTok. So, so uh, uh, I don't know. I tuned in for a bit, but like I got stuff to do Saturday afternoon. Huss. Like I'm running around doing errands. I'm going tobogganing. Like I can't shoveling. sit there. Shoveling. Exactly. Shoveling. I can't sit there and watch an NHL all-star game where they're going half speed. Um, so I had it on like for the first period, but I, I didn't tune into the rest. So I did watch the stat. The Friday night was the was the highlight, though. I think we can all agree. Yeah, yeah. You know what? It was fun. And, you know, what was very interesting? And, you know, obviously, you know, uh, regulars, uh, listeners know we always love kind of focusing sometimes in on the betting aspects of it. I mean, you know, betting on these skills competitions is fun. I mean, all the books have low limits, but, you know, you might want to get in on who's going to have the hardest shot or the fastest skater. Well, that new event, the uh, the 21 and 22, um, as well as the, I don't even know what they called it, where they were shooting over the fountains into those things. Those were both apparently taped on Thursday. And sportsbooks had the odds up throughout the day until they found out in the mid-afternoon that they had already been taped. And there was a ton of money coming in on Joe Pavelski to win the blackjack. So I have a feeling quite a few of those wagers were... Um, <laughs> those wagers were refunded um but we did see it and i thought it was really neat i think there's have a little bit of work to do with the 21 and 22 as far as showing people what they have like the from tv it could have been improved but the concept of what they were doing i thought was really neat and uh, you know credit to them for kind of finding some new creative things to show off the skills but something that's actually fun to watch as well I like the skills competition, um, the Bellagio Fountains one. It took me a second to figure out what the what was going on, and also took me a second to figure out how to track the pucks. But uh, Zach Wierenski and Roman Yossi going toe to toe. I mean, Huberto went first, and I don't know if it's because he went first, and you know they need to show everyone how it's done. But he did pretty rough, and I was like, oh, this event's, you know, I don't know, maybe this is too hard. But 
Uh, Yossi made it look easy in his warm-up. Um, a really good behind-the-scenes article on that and with Greg Wyshynski and ESPN who joined us last week. But I, um, I, I enjoyed that one. And the 21-22 was cool. It looked really hard. Uh, but uh, I enjoyed that. But the uh, the breakaway challenge, I feel like not enough people, and people are talking about Trevor Zegris, but it didn't. It got zero respect by the judges, which was a bit of a, a bit of a sham and a joke. I know they wanted to give it to Petrangelo, but uh, the Trevor Zegris move was absolutely insane. It was on what? another level than yeah. everything else. I mean, it's fun to have props and some things, but at the end of the day, people are watching to see what these guys can do and what he did with his stick and that puck. Uh, was jaw-dropping. And, I mean, to me, there was nothing even close to that in the entire competition. So, yes, a complete scam mm. that Alex Petrangelo just brought out the drumline of the Vegas Golden Knights and ended up winning it. I mean, what are you trying to promote here? Not to mention, Zegers had the full average Joe's outfit on, and, I mean, yes. he put a lot into that one. Yes, he. I agree. He had the average Joe's. He did a blindfold. That he had the mascots throwing dodgeballs at him. I mean, I know Petrangelo plays for Vegas, but, like... Uh, just, uh, Justin Bourne tweeted, like, come on, Zegers is on an entry-level deal, and Petrangelo uh, got got a big free agent contract. You know, it's 30K if you win one of these, and for an event decided by judges, that was very, uh, very disappointing. So, Well, I'll say this. Um, you know, with the NHL trying to, you know, continue to move forward and improve diversity, um, I think these are all important things that they're doing, but... Do you think that they were maybe rethinking the thought of bringing Manon Riome out to be a part of the all-star break, all-star game, and then have her play the role of jobber goalie in her, the breakaway competition? Okay. This was my theory on Maynard. So they, they came out, they gave her the big ovation, her and Wyatt Russell. But yeah, jobber goalie is a really good description. My <laughs> guess, my guess on that is... They called her up and they're like, hey, do you want a free trip to Vegas? Do you want a hotel room? Do you want to come to all the NHL parties? I think that's how you get people to do yeah, it. Special guest. Bring special, your equipment, by the way. Bring your, yeah, or they had for her. But yeah, job or goal. She just sat there and let these guys perform these ridiculous uh, deeks on her and Wyatt Russell. I'm hoping they gave her a free trip. Um, she has been doing commentary on Bally Sports for the Red Wings broadcast, so she is still involved. Uh, with the game as a broadcaster. It just but... seemed weird. But I mean, if the whole concept is just to grab plugs that are going to let everything in, often, I think, intentionally, do you want to have a historic, groundbreaking female <laughs> play the role of no. Barry O or Steve Lombardi <laughs> in in this event? Yeah, that's... I, I was a little surprised about that, to I, be honest with I, you. I was surprised on that as well. I thought, like, that's kind of disrespectful to have her out. And, Al I mean, Snow was she, busy. <laughs> she's a, I mean, she's an absolute pioneer for women's hockey. Um, you know, incredible. I think you have to have her involved in the game. But, like, to have her, as, a, as you said, as a goalie jobber, pretty disrespectful. <laughs> Anyways, I, hopefully I, she I got a, Yeah, hopefully she got a free free trip. Sorry. I laughed about that. Other highlights of the All-Star game was uh, Tyreek Hill doing the Stone Cold, with not and not very well, by the way, with two 24-ounce cans of Bud. And I don't know what they'd done to the cans beforehand, um, but the minute he did the kind of cheers, they almost exploded. However, the tops of the cans, like where you normally open to drink, weren't open, so... It was bizarre. He just got beer Wait. all over himself, probably only drained half of each can and then put them down and just sat there soaking in one of the more he, awkward NHL all-star moments of all time. He clanked two beers together that weren't open? 
well, I mean, they were opened, but I don't think the actual tops were open. I think they had some some cans in it. So when he went like this, it sprayed yeah. all over the place, but not really into him, into his mouth. And then it was just all over himself. Yeah, it was quite a, uh, it was quite a mess. I didn't. Yeah, again, I I know that uh, he. They also cut to Tyree Kill during the Rasmus Dahlin goal. So it was Casey getting one over on the Buffalo fans once again. <laughs> that was the common uh, the common joke there on Twitter. So uh, I guess they had some highlights, and yeah, Claude Giroux won MVP. Uh, I guess Claude Giroux's getting kind of kind of old. I still think of him as a young guy, but. I mean, he's the guy that everyone is focused on. Where is he going to go? Who is he going to get traded to? Is, does he want to leave Philly or does he want to stay there? But props to him for winning uh, MVP. Well, it'll be interesting to see what our conversations are like about said trade deadline. And a lot of that is going to depend on what the Winnipeg Jets do coming right out of this break, beginning tomorrow at the uh, Canada Life Center. Haven't mentioned the rink for a while. Have to remember it's got a new name. Uh, and good news. Fans are going to be back in the building. 7,500 for tomorrow's game. So very much looking forward to finally getting back into the rink. We were going to talk Jets and we're going to talk Bombers with Jeff Hamilton coming up in just a second. Uh, a big shout out to our friends over at F Apparel, Winnipeg and Manitoba's go-to spot for custom-made men's clothing and the sweetest suits around. Um, whether you're looking for a custom-made suit for yourself, dress clothes, pants, casual chinos, dress shirts, or more, F Apparel has it all. And uh, of course, grad season is around the corner. I know it's cold, but we're into February and we will have grads and hopefully normal grads for particularly the high schoolers. Uh, one of the things every kid missed the last few years was the chance to do a real high school gradua graduation. And F specializes in making unique one-of-a-kind looks for all Winnipeg high school graduates. If you know someone graduating this year, tell them if they bring in their current high school ID to F, they'll get a free custom dress shirt and tie with any suit order. That means they can get a custom made suit shirt and tie for as little as $3.99. Uh, F Apparel, 190 Smith Street downtown, or you can find them online at F, that's EPHapparel.com. Uh, it's heart month and it, well, 12 months a year is probably a good time to be friendly to your heart. You know how important that is. But, um, you know, considering that it is February and heart month, it's a great time to stock up on your heart-healthy supplements and foods at Vita Health Fresh Market with great prices on Winnipeg's best selection of natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, not to mention delicious lunch options, quick and easy with their grab-and-go Vita Market salads, soups, sandwiches, and more. And if you can't make it into the store, you can visit their website to shop online or schedule a delivery with Instacart. Uh, get on down to Vita Health Fresh Market, seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and you can find out more online at myvita.ca. And of course, our friends at Culligan Water are the experts for all things water in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba. Uh, family owned for 65 years here in the peg. Uh, they've got it all. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers and whole home systems, drinking water systems, not to mention citywide water delivery services as well. And if you have got water needs for your business, they've got commercial and industrial water products and solutions as well. If you need water, talk to the experts at Culligan. Tell them Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. They're at 1200 Sergeant, 204-694-5180, or see them online at drinkculligan.com. All right, Monday, it's hammer time, and we've got lots to get to with Jeff Hamilton today. I do want to dive into the Winnipeg Jets and, of course, the upcoming game tomorrow 
and the uh, predicament the hockey club's in. But I have a feeling we'll be talking about uh, Andrew Harris to get things going. Let's uh, get Hammer in here and uh, welcome in. Nice shirt, by the way, supporting the K&R boys. The the wake up tea is in. It's arrived. It's arrived. How'd you pick it over the headband? I wore the headband over the weekend, so it's already in the rotation. So I just I figured I'd bring uh, bring some energy to this interview, and I feel like this one's more aggressive. I wore it out. I wore the Sean's headband uh, shirt to a friend's place on the weekend. I thought it would get less conversation than a big wake up you know, T-shirt <laughs> sign that I'd have to answer, but I was proven wrong. Everyone wanted to know a what the heck is Sean's headband, so I got a a bit of work to get done on my inner circle on on uh, you know talking about the show but i you know we we ended up talking about the kenny rennie show we talked about your show we started pulling up clips and uh yeah just uh you know what putting in the rotation monday i need to wake me up a little bit good time yeah we thought the weekend views were high it must have just you been entertaining people at parties by pulling up clips of kenny and (laughs) rennie and winnipeg sports talk um hammer we've got a lot of jets to to get to um but let's start off with the bombers and we're gonna you know hit the cfl free agency with dave naylor a little bit later on um, but of course, the big news, Nick Taylor resigned, Brady Oliveira resigned to a two year deal that coming off the heels of the Johnny Augustine deal. Um, what does this mean for Andrew Harris as a member of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? We got 24, what, 20, less than 24 hours to find out. But every hour that it gets closer to tomorrow's 11 a.m. Central, you know, opening of free agency, I think you have to be worried that the Bombers are actually considering moving on from 33, something I thought would be an impossible uh, situation even just a week or two ago knowing that you know the importance of of his maybe not even just the importance to the future because I think we're looking at a year-by-year situation with Andrew Harris I think we've been looking at that for the last couple of years but just kind of just what I'm hearing coming out of kind of both camps and and just that there really is you know no common ground there or they're not finding common ground and and there's you know there's just a bit of a weird sense that in fact, Andrew Harris could very well be on a different team next year. And the reason why I think it's fascinating is because I think it's a lose lose for both sides. I think Winnipeg is crazy to, you know, not give him an opportunity to come back if he wants to come back. Now there's obviously some factors in that, which are strictly football related in the health status and future and, you know, impact and all those things. But just given what Andrew Harris has done for this organization, his arrival in 2016 coinciding directly with the turnaround with this organization and particularly what he's done over the last couple seasons, you think he would, you know, you think it would just be a good business decision. So, you know, there's lots to talk about in there. It's loaded. I could go on for another 10 minutes, but it's feeling like there might need to be other parties intervening here you know, a la Wade Miller, perhaps, to get this guy inked, because right now it does not look like the game plan is to have 33 in the mix for next season. You know, um, you know, we had Andrew on. He was kind enough to join us two or three weeks ago and, you know, talked a little bit about the Great Cup and talked about the offseason. And I asked him, I mean, have you thought about next year where things are at? And he was pretty clear that he felt that he still has um, you know, some gas left in the tank and the ability to come back out and perform at a high level and help teams win. Um, I understand that the Bombers, you know, you're you're a general manager, you're thinking about the present, but you're also thinking about the future. And it was important for them to continue keeping these Canadian running backs in the fold. And and you've got Kyle Borsa coming into the mix, potentially from the University of Regina. Uh, And now you've got Johnny and Brady both signed to two-year deals. 
Uh, you wonder what those raises were. And just even if they wanted to bring Andrew Harris back, how much money is left considering the other signings that they've had and how hamstrung is Kyle Walters to bring him back, even if the intention is to get 33 back with the club? Well, there's a couple of ways to look at that question. Um, one being, what did Kyle Walters say not too very long ago when he addressed the media? He said it would be a very difficult challenge to have all three under contract. And as you just said, Huss, two of those guys and Johnny Augustine and Brady Oliveira are both now signed with the club for multiple years. Or, or sorry, Brady's is one year. Um the reality is, is Andrew Harris is better than the other two guys. And the CFL isn't one of those growing leagues where you look towards, you know, two years down the road, you look, and especially if you're the Winnipeg Blue Bombers coming off back-to-back titles, you got to look 22 square in the face. And I don't, you know, I think there is some logic in choosing a guy like Brady Oliver and a Johnny Augustine, who I think if that's where they go with this, is going to be more of a one-two punch. I think you're going to see you know, them feeding off each other, which could also exist with Andrew Harris. And I think this is an important piece of the puzzle is that it may not look great. It's not at a stage where they've split sides. Like, I think there's, I think there's a mutual interest on both sides and there's still some time here to, I would argue, rectify this wrong. That, that seems like we're headed here. Um, And, you know, then, and still have, you know, with the question of the money, right? So is there enough money? Well, why isn't that, you know, I, I don't think that Grady Oliver could have got more money somewhere else, probably. He probably gets in, what I'm hearing is about $110,000, which is which is pretty modest, I think, for a starter, if indeed Grady Oliver becomes a starter for 2022. But it's also a pretty good pay hike for a guy who, you know, has shown glimpses that he can be a starter, but hasn't actually taken on the workload of a real starter for a long enough period of time i mean obviously we saw him a good chunk last year or yeah in 2021 you can make the argument maybe he's ready for more you can also make the argument that andrew harris would be a better running back or a better option then you have to take into consideration all the money that andrew harris probably brings into the organization or has brought into the organization in butts and seats a lot of people love andrew harris a lot of people have winnipeg blue bombers jerseys with number 33 on it and Harris on the name bar. That is because he's a beloved player in this organization within the greater community. And I think you're going to find a lot of people be unhappy if he's not adding the mix. You're going to see people that get it from a a football standpoint, but you're going to get an overwhelming amount of people in the direction of, I can't believe they would look past Andrew Harris. I can't believe they would not bring him back. He's a hometown hero. He's all these things. And I don't think it would go look well on an organization if Andrew Harris is wearing a different team's jersey, which is quite possible if he's not given. I mean, they're, they're playing, they're forcing his hand if they don't bring him back to go somewhere else. And then the other part in all this is the teammates of Andrew Harris's, all of whom want him back. I think they're, you know, I think there really is. Uh, a momentum building in that locker room as we get closer to the deadline tomorrow of, okay, guys, like, is this a joke? I think, you know, some of these, these, you know, interest, you know, the questions that are coming into the organization from players that have already re-signed have gone from, okay, you know, still time, still time to, okay, guys, I'm hearing a lot of stuff from the media. We're now, you know, within the 24 hour window here of signing him. Why aren't you getting it done? And I think those messages are becoming less and less kind from a team who you know loves 33, loves Andrew Harris. So the other thing, the last thing on that is the organization of all the goodwill they've 
built up over the last couple of seasons with winning the Grey Cup and becoming that team. And there's not a lot of quote-unquote pissing matches that they're going to lose publicly. I don't know if they win the one with Andrew Harris. And to have all that, I'm not saying all the goodwill is going to come tumbling down for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, but to even think that the you know that the that that momentum is stalled because you're fighting with the guy who is directly responsible for a lot of the turnaround just seems unfathomable and I think it's going to be fascinating from a media standpoint from my particular perch on what the what the result will be and emotion will be come tomorrow if that deadline passes. Well, I can tell you from a fan perspective, it would be a damn shame if he wasn't on the football team going forward, knowing how important he's been. And, you know, we've talked about how impactful that signing was. I mean, you know, I, you know, some will say, you know, I, I certainly maintain it's the most impactful one in the history of the Bombers. And you talk to Dave Naylor about this later on, and we suggest it might be the most impactful one, certainly one of them in Canadian Football League history. And the thought of him finishing his career anywhere other than Winnipeg almost turns the stomachs, I think, of a lot of Bomber fans. I will say this, though, Jeff. If it does go down that way, and we hear tomorrow or the next day that he's signing with the Riders or the Elks or one of these teams, make no mistake the about Argos it, this is, going, this is going to be a dude that is playing once again with a chip on his shoulder. And uh, listen, I think that he will be money well spent for whoever gets him in the uniform next year, considering what's happened. And uh, he always seems to be a guy that always feels like he has something to prove. The guy's got nothing to prove. But he will be in that mode if he goes elsewhere and just wait till a game at IG Field with Andrew Harris coming out of the visitor's tunnel room. Uh, n- not something that I thought we'd be talking about on this program, to be honest. It will be a never-ending storyline. It will be a storyline, and depending on where he goes. I mean, we know if you take a, a quick glance around the league, you don't got to look too far uh, west to see who needs a running back. And who might just want to flip the script on 2022? I mean, this is this is just like an, an you know an, an insane potential storyline wherever he goes. But if he goes over to the neighbors over in Saskatchewan, dare I even suggest the idea? Um, wow, you know, it's 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 hard to reconcile that being a, that being a potential reality here for this organization. But again, there's still plenty of time. Who knows what? Can happen who knows who can intervene who knows um you know what the reality will be for the blue and gold but uh certainly hasn't been a boring off season and we'll keep an eye on him hey where do you think osh is in all of this because i mean i think he just loves andrew harris and he knows the example that he said over the number of years that he's been here i mean do you think is this more kyle walters doing you know what is the very difficult job sometimes of making tough decisions based on your cap restraints that might not totally be in line with the guy that is calling the shots on the sidelines? No, I think this is Mike O'Shea's decision too. Like, I I mean, if if you want to go percentages, it's at the very least 50-50. Like, you know, Kyle Walters isn't telling Mike O'Shea what he needs to do. And, you know, you like to think vice versa on that. I mean, I think it ultimately falls on Kyle Walters just in his position. But as we've known within this organization, there's obviously a, a massive amount of respect for Mike O'Shea and, and what he wants. He's been the face of the organization. That's been, you know, echoed by Kyle Walters several times. So there really is no stick in the mud. Like this wouldn't be one of those things where Mike O'Shea is demanding the opposite 
and Kyle Walters is, you know, choosing this hill to die on. I, I just, there's a 0% chance in my mind that's the situation. So if that's the reality, this is a direct response to, to you know, to Mike O'Shea's decision. And I think really for him, it's, like I said, I think he can separate himself with the football decisions. Like, I think that's where this is being justified. And we've seen Mike O'Shea, you know, although we've seen him be very loyal in the past, we've also seen him be very stubborn in his decision-making. And I think once he makes a decision, that's where he goes with it. The way I see it, and I've written about it in my column, is, you know, Mike O'Shea was being, you know, when, when Kyle Walters spoke last, he said Mike O'Shea and Andrew Harris were talking. Well, what could they possibly be talking about? And I think the reality of it is, you know, points to his health, his age, what kind of impact he would have, probably dollars and cents as far as how much of a contract the, the Bombers are willing to give him at this point. You'd have to think, you know, Andrew would play a little, you know, would, would take that homegrown haircut or whatever you want to call it. Um, you think that he would want it, you know, this isn't going to be a difference between 10 and 20 grand just when you factor in all the, you know, the stuff with playoffs and all this thing. But, but at the same time, you know, I think this is is really how much they can get out of Andrew this year. And, you know, he came into camp, I mean, self-admittedly, was not in the best shape. No coincidence, he got injured early into training camp, like what, day one, day two, and then was out for, you know, for the early on stages and then got injured again. So his health is obviously a question mark. I just think at this point, you can't really be dealing with 33 with a prove me kind of attitude um and it should rather be you know not again there there needs to be give and take on both sides but just given what andrew harris has done for this organization um you know i'm i i don't i, I can't say i agree with what's happening either with mike o'shea or with kyle walters and in, in well it'll be a fascinating to see how this plays out over the next 24 hours and into the official opening of cfl free agency and we will talk more about this with uh, dave naylor a little later on in the program just one final bomber question before we flip over to the jets um, any player, are you surprised that any players haven't been re-signed that are going to the market tomorrow that maybe you thought would already be inked by uh, Walters, considering how much work he's been doing over the last month to get former members of the back-to-back champs back in the peg? Well, it's, the list is kind of small. I think there's 17 in total from 41, and, and no, there's only a handful of those who are kind of starters or prominent players. Um, obviously Kenny Lawler isn't signed because I'm hearing the exact same thing. Edmonton's offering them upwards of $300,000 next year. So that's going to be a bidding war that the Bombers already couldn't get involved with when it was reported that BC was offering 260. So he's gone. Um, I don't just don't see them even coming close to that, that, that total, uh, Steven Richardson's a guy they would want back on the D line. But from what I understand, BC's going after him too. Um, and that that's kind of where he's leaning. I think Brandon Alexander is definitely back in blue and gold next season. No problem there. He suffered a, a torn ACL on, on the very last play of the Grey Cup game at interception. So he's not even going to be ready towards the fall. So there's no rush there. And, you know, I, again, I, I think that he'll be on the Bombers for sure. Um you know, then there's who else are we looking at here? There's a couple other. Oh, Darvin Adams has has been on social media. He says that he's he's probably not coming back to Winnipeg. You know, maybe there's a you know maybe he there's a reunion with Paul at Police in Ottawa for him. Um, but you know, I also think there's some players the Bombers will be looking for. There's no one I'm really surprised they haven't signed, except for obviously Andrew Harris, as we've been talking about. Um, the other ones are just kind of consequence and some of the you know some of the bullets you kind of have to take from inking or re-signing a lot of your players. Uh, many of which came with raises. So the other, uh, you know, uh, I think they're free agency. I'd be looking for receiver. I don't think they're going to be a big, 
you know, big players in free agency unless they, you know, unless they can get some guys coming for, for haircuts who just really want to play for, for Winnipeg. And that might be a benefit for them and just what they've been able to do, obviously, over the last couple of seasons. But a guy I'd be keeping an eye on whose name's been reported is Greg Ellingson. We know that, um, you know, we know that Zach Claros likes him. You know, we've heard that in the past. And we know that he's, a, you know, when you look at the free agents and receivers, he's one of the more well-known names. And I think for him, you know, depending on how big the bidding war is, maybe you can get him at a decent price because I, I put him in the same camp as I was putting Darrell Walker. And that's a prove me um, contract after a down year in 2021. So that's kind of it for Bombers. I think it'll be quiet, but that's what you need to know. Yeah, uh, listen, we'll be all over it this week, and I know you will be in the pages of the Winnipeg Free Press, including a, a big piece on the on the Harris situation coming up tomorrow. Uh, moving on to the local hockey squad, I hope that the Jets got a lot of rest over the course of the uh, the weekend in this all-star break because starting tomorrow, it is uh, essentially a game every second day for the next 80 games. And um, Jeff, this is... Uh, this is a big hill to climb for a team that comes out of the all-star break, just one game above NHL 500. And by my count, needing to play well in excess of 600 hockey for the rest of the year, if they even want to be in the mix for a playoff spot at the end of the season. Uh, what do you make of the challenges for the, uh, for the club going into tomorrow night against the Minnesota wild? Yeah, I think mighty. The challenge is the hill is mighty to climb. Um, you know, it's the good news is, is there's time, you know, there's just just under half the games remaining, a lot of time to make damage, uh, to do some damage in the standings, to climb, you know, some much needed spots. I think, what are they sitting at about nine points out of that first wild card spot from Calgary? Um, handful of teams in front of them. So it's going to be a battle, but I mean, we've, you know, it's, it's funny, right? Cause 600 hockey or, you know, just a bit over 600 hockey seems daunting for this team, but it shouldn't be daunting for a team going into the playoffs. Like that should be the standard. Like, do you want to be closer to 500 hockey going into the playoffs? This is the, you know, so the, the reality is, and I think the big question for the Jets is how quickly can they get to putting something together that resembles just the look of playoff hockey and energy, a tempo, you know, strategy, whatever you want to, whatever you want to classify it as, how can they get to playing some consistent hockey and putting and going on a run, right? Like, I mean, you can't start slow here. You can't come out and lose the first couple games. We're in a situation where yes, there's time, but there's going to be a bit of a, you know, a, you know, self check every month to see where this team is, because there's also the reality of the, of the, the trade deadline looming, uh, you know, next month and, and, and where are the jets heading into, to that, you know, to that stretch of games. And so, I mean, or that stretch of the season. And so there's going to be, you know, there's going to be, a, I, you hope that there's a bit of soul searching. Maybe you hope that they went out and, you know, let off some steam. Maybe, you know, I, I don't think it was a lot of fun. A lot of guys are complaining about playing in Canada and all that stuff. And I know there's not a lot of empathy amongst fans for that stuff, but you know, if they can get out, you know, what they would have spent this last week kind of, enjoying themselves and coming back uh, to the, to the organization ready. And, and, and like you said, is going to be a massive, uh, there's not going to be a lot of, of practice time. It's going to be a massive game heavy schedule. And um, you know, there really is nothing much to add than what we've said over the last, you know, week or couple weeks here as the jets, you know, kind of went diving into the break with a big loss to, to, to Philly and no points to show for it. You just have to think that something needs to give. And, you know, we're either we're, we're heading towards some interesting times here this season. Is it going to be interesting because the Jets figured it out? Or is it going to be interesting because the Jets continue to, to free fall and some major questions need to be answered from this? Well, you know, with, with the 40 games left, I mean, Rick always used to do the 10 game segments. 
But I mean, I'm looking at the rest of this season and we're basically talking about eight five-game segments. And the Winnipeg Jets need to win three of five in every one of those segments. Um, and then, you know, add in a couple loser points, maybe get four in here, there. And and the thing about that is, I mean, on, on paper, can you win three of five games? Well, I mean, to your point, if you're a playoff team, you should be able to. And I mean, in the Winnipeg Jets situation, they have to. But with the amount of games, Jeff, if things don't get on the right track, like beginning tomorrow night and get right out, I mean, we could be talking about a very different situation. I mean, there is the potential of this team bottoming out in the next 10 games. Um, and at that point, with a month left before the trade deadline, um, you know, it really will increase the attention on this hockey club for all the wrong reasons, not because of where they're playing and what they're capable of doing, but it'll be more of like, what's going to change and who's going to be gone by the 21st of March. Well, and that's the kind of doom and gloom that I know fans don't want to talk about, but the reality is, is yeah, St. that game against St. Louis, that mighty Saturday triumph against the St. Louis blues that was being trumpeted as the blueprint and all that turned out to be a bit of a mirage. I mean, the reality for this organization is they they've lost seven of the last eight games. So to just say they're going to win, three out of the next five over these next eight five-game stretches. Um, yes, it shouldn't be difficult for a team destined for the playoffs, but it's not exactly a cakewalk for an organization that's trending in the opposite direction. Again, lots of time here, but those questions will be asked if they continue to, to you know, loot, you know, not win three of the next five over this next month's stretch. And there's going to be key um, – there's going to be – there's a lot of home games here to be made up, I think – you know, obviously, the, with, with the the restrictions easing up, I don't know, I guess we're going to about 50% and then, then 100% by the end of March or whatever that deadline is. I know that's not going to be ideal, but it's better than 250 fans. So there's lots of, you know, there's lots of opportunity here for the Jets, but there's also just, you know, not a ton of proof to suggest other than the fact they're a talented team and that, you know, you look at the roster and you look at who, you know, the pieces they have in net and, the, and what they have on, you know, in, in all areas, you just think they should be better, but you know, the proof's in the pudding and we're just not seeing a lot of, um, we're not seeing a lot of success. So until that kind of snaps, we're just going to kind of hope and, and uh, you know, fans are going to hope and wait for, for that to turn around. And, and the reality is it needs to be now. So the best hockey needs to be, can't be perfect right away, but it definitely needs to be perfect soon. Yeah, I mean, there's a number of things that could help the Jets in a big way. First and foremost would be get Nikolai Ehlers back in the lineup. But, you know, from what we heard from the coaching staff, uh, I mean, I'm not sure Jet fans should be holding their breath that as soon as he's technically eligible to come off the LTIR, he'll be back in the lineup, Jeff. I mean, uh, and that is going to put continued stress on that top six. Um, you know, Kyle Connor's been incredibly productive playing along with Pierre-Luc Dubois and Cole Perfetti. Um, and, and really... I mean, I know there's been a lot of talk about Mark Shifley, um, but to me, I mean, there's two guys that need to come out and be far better than they've been and do it consistently. One is Mark Shifley and the other is Connor Hellebuck. And I mean, listen, fair or unfair, these guys are two of the most important players on this team. And uh, it's hard to imagine a turnaround without a big, big uh, bump, if you will, in uh, what those guys are able to do. And and listen, I, I say Hellebuck in just because he's raised the bar so high. and. To be honest, a lot of the success that the Jets have had over the past couple of years has come because he has been one of the best players in his position, you know, in the National Hockey League. I'm not sure that that's been the case often enough so far this season, um, but we certainly know it's there. And as far as Shifley goes, I mean, I, we've all seen how good Mark Shifley can be. 
Um, we just haven't seen that often enough. And, you know, if that's not happening without pretty much any contributions from the bottom six, it's hard to imagine a turnaround. But at the same time, a big opportunity. I mean, you said it last week. You want to change the narrative? A guy like Mark Shifley can do that very quickly by coming out, having some good games, and continuing to do it on a nightly basis. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll continue to talk about it so long as, you know, Mark Shifley isn't producing at the clip that everyone has expected him because he's shown for years that ability to to show up on offense and to be an impact in that game. You know, I, it's just, I think we're, I think some of the columns have come out, you know, about him, you know, he's, he's maybe he gets an opportunity to kind of address those, it creates a little bit of a hook for him to, you know, to ask questions about his game, um, you know, where he's at. I think it's time, you know, Kevin Sheveldoff was supposed to speak sometime early this week. You're expecting it to be sometime this week. And I've heard some, you know, some calls for Mark Chipman. I know there's some people who don't think that Mark Chipman should have to talk. You know, I'm a bit indifferent in all of it, but I I do think there's some validity to asking Mark Chipman to speak, just given the kind of owner he is on this organization and the impact and influence he has in directly with the hockey decisions. Um, You know, maybe there's maybe there's some clarity to to be had over what the situation with 55 is. Is he hurt? Is he not happy? Is it, you know, what seems, you know, I don't know if we're going to get those answers to those questions. Very rarely do you get those kind of intimate details, in-house stuff that, you know, GMs certainly don't like to talk about and players don't often talk about until it's hitting kind of rock bottom and there's, you know, trade requests and all that stuff. Certainly not suggesting that's where it's hit for Mark Shifley. Um, But I I do think something's got to give. I think, you know, if this team's going to be good, if they're if, if they're going to survive Nikolai Ehlers, which I'm with you, you know, asking about him in uh, in in uh, Philadelphia, you know, he's he's getting better, but the the vibe is just given him being on long term injury reserve, I, I think he's weeks and weeks away. So, you know, if if you're obviously not getting production from from Nikolai Ehlers with, with him not being in the lineup, and if you're not getting production from Mark Shifley, who is in the lineup, that's a you know that's a significant amount of offense that this team's relied on in the past. And you know, I, I don't think, you know, I, I think you can look at Connor Hellbuck's game over the last little bit and maybe, you know, question it or maybe suggest that Eric Comrie, given what he was able to do in St. Louis, deserves more of the crease. But yeah, I certainly don't fall this on Hellbuck's, put this at Hellbuck's feet. You know, there's certainly a lot of games early in the season where the Jets were, were, were not playing well, but were per- putting together wins. We're on, you know, backs of great efforts from Connor Hellbuck, and he continues to be amongst the better goalies in the league. So I think he's bought a bit of a, bought a bit of a, a, a leash, I guess, if you well, will. Well, and to be fair, to be fair to Hellebuck, I mean, there was that period earlier, kind of that first lull that the Jets had before Maurice was gone. Um, where he was given up two goals a game over eight or nine games, and I think the team only won three of them. So, yeah, it wasn't scoring. I, mean, exactly. I, I guess the reason why, the, I mean, listen, the reason why I bring up 37 and 55 is because those guys are truly elite players. Like Maul, sure. Maul Paris pop in, hey, you forgot about Lowry, Kopp, J-Mo, Dylan, Schmidt, Wheeler. I mean, listen, I'm not really forgetting about those guys. I mean, you can go down the list. Not There's not very many players on this list that you can say they don't need to be better. Um, but you know, you naturally start with the star players and the guys that can make the biggest impact, but he does make a good point. Um, and you know, fairly or unfairly, we focus on some of those top players, but it is a team game and outside, listen, even if that Shifley line really gets going and starts, you know, playing very well and we get that production from that top line, it's very difficult to see a turnaround happening with the offense being such a black hole. It is right now for Lowry's line and whatever incarnation of the fourth line the jets have right now. And 
you know, Dave Lowry being able to find out a way or a combination that works a little bit more productively in the bottom six uh, would also go a long way to uh, maybe change a few of these one goal games to at least games that get to overtime and potentially two points. Well, I think that's going to be a big part of the second half. I mean, is Dave Lowry the guy that you want behind the bench long term? He's certainly not proving as much. And, you know, is that is that his game plan that's not meshing well? Is it the players? I mean, you can't replace all the players. You can only, you know, that's why often the coaches go first. So that's certainly something that needs to be brought up is, is it the game plan or the the coaching strategy or the, or, or the identity that, that Dave Lowry wants to instill with this club, which we've heard over and over for the last seven weeks that he's been, you know, the man in charge fast and hard to play against. You know, I think there's, He's not like a Paul Maurice. He's not going to give you the X and O's and the breakdowns of what the, of how to execute that identity, but it's kind of a broad one when you don't. And so you you are you were, I think a lot of people are curious what exactly this team is getting out of their their coaching staff, what the future plans are, um, and that's something that's going to need to be answered. You know whether or not that gets addressed in the off season or sometime over the next little while. Here we've seen a lot of coaching, we've seen a lot of movement in coaching throughout the last few years. And we've certainly seen guys show up, you know, out of nowhere and join benches and become advisors and see what the future plan is. I wonder what's cooking with Winnipeg. And I think if, you know, if the team starts putting together wins and, and um, starts clawing their way back into the playoff picture, that narrative is certainly going to be is going to die down a bit. But if it, if it continues to trend the way it is, I think that's going to be the main one. A lot of people are going to be wondering when and if change is coming. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Jeff Hamilton from the Free Press is with us. I see we got 300 people in the chat. Great to see you all here. Do us a favor. Hit that thumbs up button. And if you're new around here, hit that red subscribe button and join us daily 1 o'clock here on WST. Or, of course, you can always check out the podcast after we broadcast live on YouTube each and every day. Um, Shevel Day is a fascinating uh, in in a really interesting situation, I should say, not one that he anticipated, not one that he wants to be in. Um, but you know, it's almost time for the rubber to hit the road on this season, one way or the other. And as we mentioned, we'll find out very quickly whether the Jets are going to do what they can to begin getting back into it, or it's going to continue slide away. I know you had um, asked about when we might hear from Chevy, and the thought was it would be early this week. Um, any more clarity on when the general manager will speak, Jeff, and and when he does? Do you think it will be more an old school Shevel Day off press conference where he tries to, you know, answer the questions as well as possible without really give anything away? Or will it be closer to what he had to say after Paul Maurice left, which I thought was one of the more upfront and straight press conferences that we've ever heard from the general manager who really put the pressure and the challenge to his players. Um, and unfortunately, they haven't really responded that well since Maurice left. Well, I think traditionally you would have had Kevin Shevelyoff speak before the All-Star break, just as like a lead into or maybe sometime over, maybe not sometime over the break because it's often a good opportunity for GMs to get away from it all um, or to do business and not you know speak to media. Anyways, that never happened. There was a lot of chatter. That's why I tweeted out last week. There were plans for, for Kevin Shevelyoff to speak sometime this week. The requests are in. Um, you know, the Jets understand that the media wants to talk to Kevin Sheveldayoff, so it's a matter of figuring out what that time is. I'd have to assume it's this week. I can't see it being any other week. I don't know why you would wait um, unless there was, you know, news that you were planning to address and didn't want to talk twice in a matter of two weeks. Um, so I'm expecting it some, to be sometime this week, whenever that might be. Um, I'm not 100% sure uh, when, what, what 
Kevin Cheveldayoff is going to show up, or which rather uh, Kevin Cheveldayoff will show up, the one who's, who is, like you said, was a little bit more, you know, talkative or insightful, if you will, following the Maurice exit versus kind of every other press conference we've been a part of. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to predict. You'd like to think that maybe some real talk goes on or some efforts to, you know, to to, to kind of address what's happening. And, and but I, I mean, at the same time, I think, um, you know, it's got to be the questions asked to him. I think this is the first time that Kevin Chevalier may, and maybe, maybe he doesn't feel any heat, but maybe this is the first time where he should feel heat on his position, having been with the organization since the beginning and, and, and ultimately seeing a team that has made some, you know, made some moves that the summer of Chevy was heralded, you know, over and over again. And now it's becoming, you know, winter is coming here and it does not feel good for, for Jets fans. Um, you know, so the winter hasn't exactly matched the heat of the summer. Um, so maybe, you know, maybe there's, maybe there, he needs to reflect on his own job and, and, you know, the fact that this team hasn't progressed and why we've seen other teams around the league, you know, with seemingly less talented rosters make bigger moves this year. And by moves, I mean, you know, play better than the, than the Jets. So I think there's a lot of, you know, perhaps the spotlight's a bit more on him now, particularly, you know, he's got to address the coaching situation as well. Like, you know, what he plans to do at Dave Lowry, um, you know, again, I don't, I'm not sure he's going to be very open about that. I don't think you, you know, tell the media when you're planning to, you know, remove a guy or, or add, add, you know, years to his contract, but there's going to be some questions that whether or not he provides the, the answers fans are looking for, he's going to have to address. And, you know, I, you know, as much as I want to say that's a victory in itself, I think some fans would disagree when, when you get some of the answers that we've gotten in the past, but I think there's some different questions coming this time around that will be interesting regardless of you know what what shovel out might say or maybe more importantly what he won't say yeah no doubt about it uh, a four o'clock practice today do we know that kyle connors got back here and passed his COVID test i couldn't help but notice that jack hughes showed up in new jersey with the positive test and he's on the list and you know even if you're not symptomatic you have to take the test presumably to get back to winnipeg so there will mm-hmm. be testing um we were just having a bit of a murphy's law discussion with a friend of mine yesterday afternoon and he you know bringing up all the bad things could happen and like can you imagine going into this next week with all that's on the line and not having your best scorer in the lineup right now uh, hopefully that's not something we'll be talking about because he has been one of the real bright spots of the team so far this season and they're going to need a lot of Kyle Connor on the ice and a lot of red lights courtesy of number 81 if they want to get back in this yeah, I mean, I, I don't have the answer to that question, Huss, but I think we'll, know we'll, today we'll, 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 we'll get that answer, yeah, in, in, in a couple hours because, you know, they played Friday. The skills comp was Friday. Game was Saturday. I'm sure there was fun to be had Saturday night. I don't think you get an extra night off because you made the all-star game and, and whatever. So and maybe that's maybe the 4 o'clock. Well, the 4 o'clock would be in it. It would be indicament of actually when you look at the time and days off, they would want to start later. They wouldn't want to have that day because it would take out. I'm sure there's some players that, you know, showed up today might be, you know, might be an optional one. And we'll see about the tests and all that stuff. But yeah, the testing is, but actually, sorry, I think depending on where all the other players went, you know, a lot of them left Winnipeg. So depending on where they went, they went to the States, they're going to need, you know, they're going to need to get tested. So yeah, but I'm with you as much as, you know, I think there's probably a lot of guys that had a lot of fun out there. You're, you know, you got to hope that the that the results come back. Um, the Jets can't face more bad results, whether it's on the on the ice or on the testing, you know, on the testing list or whatever it may be. You know, these guys need, you know, these guys need a little bit of, of help, and that certainly wouldn't be it. Hey, uh, Hammer, just before we go, um, non-Jets topic, but uh, what'd you think of Rocky Wirtz's act last week? 
Oh, I don't know, man. I mean, it just sounds like, I don't know. I, I try to put my shoes in, in, into somebody who's, who has billion dollars and I don't know, maybe I wouldn't expect that I owe anybody anything. So I, I just, and that's not making an excuse. I'm, I'm with everybody. I thought it was ridiculous. You know, I thought it was, you know, it'd be one thing if, if they wouldn't have had time to, to plan for this. Like, I just, you know what I mean? Like, and, and his son was ready to answer the question and it was just, that's it the just, thing. It seemed it just, like they've so actually just, been doing a bunch of things behind that. They were, well, and they, than, have, they, and they wanted have. to talk about it. And, and they yet. have. And I think it was, maybe it was personal to, to Mark Lazarus at the athletic. Maybe there, he, you know, Rocky didn't like what he had written and just his face channeled that anger, but it's just, of all the things, like, I mean, you're the one who set up the, you know, the round table. You're the one who knew that your image was in trouble. You're the one who, you know, is responsible for answering some of these questions. And whether it's, you know, whether it's giving it the opportunity to the people in charge of the day-to-day and particular these things, because, you know, Rocky Wirtz isn't sitting, you know, on a bunch of seminars and, and you know, going through all the, the changes. He's just, he's just providing the money and the operation. So, you know, I just felt like, Obviously, he doesn't take instruction from anybody or doesn't feel like he owes anyone anything because it just feels like a massive, colossal failure from a PR, you know, where it was just a softball. And you could have, you know, you didn't have to go into great detail of everything that the organization is doing to protect its players. But maybe a couple, you know, I'm not advocating canned sentences, but in this situation, those should have been the first few that were memorized by Rocky Words. And instead, it was just an absolute disaster. And, and, you know, took away from, you know, whether you want to call it a fun weekend with All-Star or a quiet weekend with All-Star, however you choose to, you know, participate, turned into, you know, an organization that's been just mirrored in this, you know, the scandal of all season long and to add, you know, gasoline to, to flames where you could have easily put water on them. Um, it's just unfortunate to a word I often use, unfortunate. Yeah, that was... Uh... <laughs> that was the worst case scenario. They'll be talking about that in PR classes for years of what not to do. Uh, just look at the Chicago Blackhawks. And it's not just this year. You can plenty of examples on what not to do from that organization over the course of the last 10. Uh, Hammer, thanks for doing this, man. I'll look forward to your piece on Andrew Harris tomorrow. And a uh, uh, very interesting week for the Jets coming up. Time to get some dubs. Always a pleasure, Haas. Thanks for having me on and shout out to the the crew. And, you know, I'm back on Kenny and Rennie a bit more. So, just a little more time for you guys to give me digs and me to give them back. So always, <laughs> always appreciate having, having me on there. Looking forward to it. Thanks, pal. There he is, Jeff Hamilton. Follow him on Twitter at Jeff K. Hamilton. And, uh, of course, uh, writing sports on the Bombers and Jets in the pages of the Winnipeg Free Press. Uh, our friends at Manitoba Battery have gotten us through this point in the winter, and now it's time to, well, hopefully warm up a little bit. That being said, you still need a battery for your car that's going to get you through the worst of Winnipeg winter, and Manitoba Battery remains the premier stop for all your battery needs in Winnipeg and Manitoba. Most automotive batteries are priced for less than 100 bucks with Core Exchange, or they'll deliver it to your door anywhere in Winnipeg for 115 on the same day you order it, as long as you let them know by 1.30 p.m. And for you ice fishing enthusiasts out there, we're getting out of this deep freeze. It's time to get back out on the water. And Manitoba Battery has the flasher batteries you need to keep you catching fish for the rest of the season. Whatever you need battery-wise, Manitoba Battery's there for you. 1026 Logan, 204-783-8787. And uh, down at 1026 Logan Avenue, ManitobaBattery.com. 
Uh, Super Bowl week is here. I do know that our friends at Royal Sports still do have some Bengals and Rams gear available for people wanting to jump on the bandwagon. But the bandwagon for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers is already full. And if you missed the show on Friday, uh, they just got four new exclusive Winnipeg Blue Bombers Grey Cup back-to-back champions hats available. You can check those out at Royal Sports. Go onto their Instagram page and give them a follow at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and great deals. And while you're there, you can check out the thousands upon thousands of many exclusive Winnipeg Jet merchandise pieces, not to mention their massive hockey display and store goalie equipment, skate sticks, snowboards, fitness, and of course, all the cool stuff over in the Kings skate, snow and surf side. Royal Sports over at 750 Pembina Highway. And as we are now well into 2022, you're thinking you're looking ahead to the spring and going maybe just maybe it's time for a new car if you are thinking of upgrading the wheels start your search with our friends over at not autocorp at waverly and mcgillivray why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the not team locally family owned the leaders in teslas for a number of years here in winnipeg but there's so much more on the lot go down and see for yourself and if you're looking for a particular make and model talk to the experts at not they'll source it and get it here for you at the best possible price you can also visit them online at not.ca all right uh let's get into a little bit more cfl free agency talk um plenty of smoke around the winnipeg blue bombers the andrew harris situation and potentially you know a couple free agents maybe coming to winnipeg filling some spots from departed the uh, bombers like is expected with kenny lawler got a chance to catch up just a little earlier before we went live with dave naylor tsn football insider to look ahead to noon eastern tomorrow when cfl free agency officially begins nails what's up how are you very well it's been a it's been a little different i think this free agency period than the last time i mean i think technically by the rules you know, you're not supposed to be negotiating contracts in the window or talking numbers. It's supposed to be just, you know, gauging interest. And then you can talk numbers in the free agency period. And, and last time there was like kind of teams that pretended that and other teams that didn't. Now it's like, you know, deals are being announced basically. Uh, well, certainly announces of, you know, agreements in, in, and, and even numbers coming out about contract details, you know, which we didn't used to see because, you know, I say technically, players are not supposed to be negotiating actual numbers with these new teams but i think we've moved from the letter of the rule to the practical application of the rule and i'm all for it so yeah well it certainly give us a lot to talk about heading into tomorrow i i, I want to start with the winnipeg blue bombers with you for obvious reasons um, it was very interesting that johnny augustine got a cut two-year deal uh, a couple weeks ago and that mm-hmm. dave that was a guy that we thought the bombers would have a tough time you know, keeping in the fold. Um, I think that might have been the first indication that, well, wait a second, maybe Andrew Harris isn't part of the future. And then today, Brady Oliveira gets a two-year deal. I mean, what did you make of those two signings? And what are you hearing about Andrew Harris's future in the Bombers and the CFL? You know, I had a conversation with somebody maybe a week and a half ago where they said, you know, they thought Winnipeg was going to, would come back to Andrew Harris if they didn't get Oliveira and Augustine done. And then if they did, then that was going to be, you know, the, the opportunity that Winnipeg would have to to make a choice. Sort of. And it's played out very much that way. And I think both those guys had, had interest elsewhere. So, you know, Winnipeg had to pay them. I mean, it's essentially shifting money, you know, at the same position from one guy to two guys, younger guys. And, 
yeah, this is one of those unfortunate situations in, in sports in general. I mean, I think everybody would love to see Andrew Harris finish his career as a bomber, uh, you know, play it out, even if it's a reduced role. It's his hometown. You know, I, re- I remember when he signed there as a free agent and he said the words, Every- people around here better get used to winning. Now, and he really made good on that. I mean, think we forget, you know, the Bombers were up and coming kind of when he signed on, but they weren't a winning team year in, year out, and they have been since. I, I, I think it would be great if he could finish his career there. You know, some of this becomes ego. Some of it becomes economics. Some of it just comes just a guy wanting to have a role where he's going to have the biggest role he can possibly have, even at this stage of his career. So I don't think it's done. I, I think there's a lot of people on Twitter concluding that it's done I, I don't have that knowledge i think it's probably a pretty fluid situation and has been over the course of the weekend and will be maybe right into tomorrow you know it was funny i mean uh, harris was out on instagram today congratulating brady Oliveira. i mean certainly you know a big part of that running back room um mm-hmm. and a fellow oak park guy i mean we know all the connections but you know dave we had andrew on the program with us i want to say two or three weeks ago and we talking about the offseason and the Grey Cup, and we asked him about next season, and he said he wasn't sure, but he still felt that he had some gas left in the tank. Might we see Andrew Harris play for another Canadian Football League team this year that's not in Winnipeg? I, I think we could, you know, and I, and I think any team that signs him, especially because of the injury factor of missing, you know, in a shortened season that he missed a chunk of time, and he was very productive when he played, I would expect you'd see a deal with some, qualifiers in there right like where I don't think a team is going to be worried about paying Andrew Harris for a productive season but I think they am going to be worried they are going to be worried about paying a lot up front and that he's not able to deliver that productive season because of of you know health and age and injuries and those things that are just part of the human experience for football players so uh that that's what I would expect I think that kind of thing is is common but I, yeah absolutely do I, I haven't heard anything about him you know retiring if he doesn't get a deal with Winnipeg I, I again I that's not been anything I've come across in any of the conversations I've had about Andrew Harris so uh, I would expect that if he can't get a deal done with Winnipeg that he will be playing elsewhere in 2022. It's it's something that's hard, frankly, for a lot of Bomber fans to wrap their head around, as you can imagine. I mean, you know, I've maintained for a long time his signing here is the most impactful free agent signing in the history of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Maybe um, in the history of the CFL. Honestly. You know what? You can I, certainly I mean, I, make, make I that hesitate argument. before I say those things, but, you know, uh, there's more swings and misses in free agency than hits for, to start with. So a lot of the best biggest contracts have been signed are ones you wouldn't want to do over. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's, you know, overstating or hyperbole to say, suggest it's one of the most impactful. In fact, I think this current bomber team has three of the most impactful CFL free agencies that I can sign some free agent that I can ever think of in Harris, Big Hill and Jefferson. I mean, show me a team that's got three of those. Well, and what about Stanley Madera. Bryant? Stan, yeah. Stanley Bryant would be a pretty good one as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Throw, at, at, you're right. When you look at, how you know, how critical Winnipeg's offensive line play has been in this era and how they've kind of redefined a little bit about the way you build your offensive line in the in the CFL that you know you go out and get American tackles and find really good interior de- uh, offensive linemen who are Canadians and that's what that's the way they've done it it's it's a it's a break from the old kind of old Montreal model of you know five Canadians or four Canadians straight across the board up front you know and just one more thing on Harris before we get to everything else happening in free agency um, you know, his impact on the field was incredible off the field and within the culture of the team was maybe just as big. And that says a, a lot to it. Um, 
but knowing the competitor that he is and knowing at the level that he has been playing, even in an injury shortened year, um, I don't think it would surprise anyone if he went out, played with a real chip on his shoulder and showed everyone that there is still uh, some more tread on the tires, if you will, on 33. Well, look, I, I you remember how he played in the chip on, on the shoulder after he came back from the suspension, right? And <laughs> oh, yeah. was quite happy to serve it up in the face of, you know, people like me, um, you know, who didn't think he should be the, the MOP of the league. Um, because he'd served that suspension, but um, hey, on the field when he came back, he yeah was a highly highly motivated individual who carried that you know right to the Grey Cup. So it wouldn't surprise me at all. No, if he's if he was out there you know in that kind of situation. The, you know the other thing for the Bombers, I guess you, you say you're going to have to be is you can look at Andrew Harris as a football player. You know statistically, what does he do? How are you going to replace what he does on the field? I guess the other thing you have to look at is what is it going to do to the culture of our team if Andrew Harris leaves here an unhappy man. But I assume he's, you know, got some pretty tight relationships on that team. And, yeah, you know, it's, it's just, you know, I don't know how much that matters. Maybe it won't matter at all, but I think it's something you, you kind of have to stop and at least give consideration to. No, I'm sure that's something that they're talking about at Blue Bomber HQ right now. Now, Kyle Walters has done a great job targeting the most important free agents. I mean, both sides of the line. We've talked about the big guys. The one place they haven't been able to bring most of their guys back is at the wide receiver position. Mm-hmm. And from what we're hearing reported, Dave, there is some serious, serious Jack being thrown around a top receiver, starting with Kenny Lawler. What can you tell us about Lawler and the sort of offers that are out there for him and CFL free agents? Well, I think Kenny Lawler has taken full advantage of the window, <laughs> I'd say. <laughs> and uh, I think there's a well-worn path between uh, BC and Edmonton across the Rockies there, uh, where offers have been flying over the mountains uh, back and forth. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm led to believe that that Edmonton has come in with an offer of 300,000 for the 2022 season. Three? 300, which would be, I think there was a $300,000 offer out for Duke Williams, and it may have been from Edmonton. And so this may be just, you know, repositioned Duke Williams money. Um, but Duke Williams, you know, set a new top of the market when he signed his deal with Saskatchewan on the weekend for 260. And I remember at the end of the year, we were seeing you know, the top receiver market kind of come in under 200. And then when Lucky Whitehead got 205, that was kind of like an eye opener. So now we see, you know, the 250 eclipsed by Duke. And now and I, I'm led to believe the BC offer is not for as much, although it may contain some elements that may be attractive to him, you know, in a different context than just pure dollars. Uh, so we'll see. Usually the biggest offer lands the guy. Um, right now, that's uh, that's the Edmonton Elks. We'll see if, if BC comes back again, because from what I understand, there's been a lot of dynamics in this one. But yeah, there's. I mean, this is why, you know, Winnipeg, goodbye. You know, this just, <laughs> I mean, you know, Kenny Law was a great player. He was the leading receiver on the Great Cup champion team, the leading receiver in the league. Um, but there's no way a team like Edmonton is going to, or Winnipeg, excuse me, would even begin to, invest that much money in in one player at that position where and this is this is what gm's jobs are right gm's jobs when when teams when they found kenny lawler you know he was just a guy at camp right i mean look he's a he's a former nfl draft pick he's a he came out as a came out of college early which every time we see a guy came out of college early in the nfl that tells you right away he's got pedigree right like that's so, so you know he had pedigree you know he he'd been attractive to the nfl but there are a lot of guys like that and you know, playing on a on an entry level contract is a huge advantage, you know, for a team like Winnipeg to have him on a starters deal compared to what it's going to cost the team that's going to bring him into 2022. And it's Kyle Walter's job to go find the next Kenny Law, the next Darvin Adams if he doesn't come back. You know, the, that's that's basically what GMs do. And I like I've heard GMs say in this league, 
you know, if you're a good GM in this league, you should be able to replace everybody except your quarterbacks or your Canadians. That doesn't necessarily, you know, replace them with a guy who's just as good, but, you know, hopefully replace them with a guy who someday might be just as good. You know, that, that you're tapping into that. And that's, that's what GMs get paid for. Uh, Dave, staying with receivers, you mentioned Darvin Adams. Uh, he's yep. had a couple interesting tweets uh, lately. It doesn't sound like he's had a lot of contact or um, significant discussions with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. What do you see happening with him? And is Greg Ellingson the guy the Bombers are targeting to come in and maybe replace some of that uh, production, certainly from Lawler and potentially from Adams? I think you're right on Adams. I mean, I know that last time in free agency, it was really touch and go with him till the very end. I think it may be kind of a similar situation again. He listened to a lot of other offers last time around. Um, so I don't, I couldn't tell you he's gone, but it certainly, you know, would seem to be at best a maybe. Uh, and on the Greg Ellingson thing, I don't, I don't have any, actually I don't have a lot of intelligence on Greg Ellingson. I believe Ottawa is interested in him. Of course, you know, he, he has a history there, has the most famous catch in Red Blocks history, basically, in that playoff game against Hamilton in 2015. Uh, you know, has a history with Jeremiah Mazzoli that would go back to their days in Hamilton together. So, there, there, you know, there's some reasons to see that. I think Ottawa is also, by the way, I think interested in Darvin Adams, uh, you know, at, at least, you know, maybe not you know, over the top interest, but I think they have some interest. So, uh, yeah, but Ellingson was still, you know, I have to see he, you know, him and Darrell Walker were kind of interesting because they both got caught up in, you know, a bad Edmonton Elks season. Neither of them had a great season. And I think Walker signed at about 160 or 170, if memory serves me correct, which is, you know, $100,000 less than he signed for two years ago when Toronto signed him for 275. So I would expect that Ellingson would kind of be in that in that range for whatever team wants to go. I don't think we're going to see him, you know, as a, as a plus 200 guy. Dave Naylor of TSN with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, getting ready for CFL free agency. Uh, Dave, at this point, from what you know, um, who are the teams that have done the most for their uh, their plight over the course of these last few days heading into Tuesday? You know, I, I've got to I've got to say the Ottawa Red Blacks have been, as I expected, you know, to be very aggressive. They had the most um, work to do. <laughs> well, I mean, look, when you when you win three games for the second year in a row, you're not retaining a lot of guys going forward. Um, one of the one of the beauties of the league with all its free agency, and I don't love all the free agency, but if you're a team at the bottom it does make it easier to climb up because you don't, you're not beholden with contracts from the previous administration. Uh, you're, you basically walk into the market with more money than anybody else and a good opportunity to rebuild your team. So, I mean, Jeremiah Mazzoli, they needed Jeremiah Mazzoli. Like if Ottawa didn't get Jeremiah Mazzoli, um, you know, the, the options were going to be, you know, Matthew Schiltz, you know, um, well, I think if, if Mazzoli had landed in Edmonton, they would have cut Nick Arbuckle. So, Nick Arbuckle would have been an option. Trevor Harris would have been an option, but like Trevor Harris and Nick Arbuckle are two guys that already were in Ottawa. You know? <laughs> and, and then, and then you throw in Chris Streveler, you know, could you reunite him with Blapo and, and make him a serviceable starting quarterback? Like, I think all of the options for Ottawa got really scary once they got past Jeremiah Mazzoli. And I, I joked on Twitter, you know, the, the noise you heard from the nation's capital besides all the honking was the giant sigh of relief when they got Jeremiah Mazzoli <laughs> to commit to that contract because that was one that, and I think it, you know, there was a lot of pressure on Sean Burke, right? You know, he, it's a, he's a new GM going to a team that's had horrible quarterback problems the last two years. And he has a connection with a guy because he was a senior part of the senior management group in Hamilton. Like there was an expectation on him that he was going to deliver either Dane or Jeremiah. And if he didn't, um, you know, it's not a fireable offense, but it's swing and miss on your first real important transaction and, and hold to fill as the general manager of the Ottawa Red Blacks. So, you know, I think on an individual level, that was a real coup for him. And for the Red Blacks, 
it was, you know, I say a giant sigh of relief. And, you know, that they look at Kwaku Botang, Jalen Acklin, um, you know, they've, they've, they've added a lot of pieces. And, you know, I, I talked to Sean Burke about three weeks ago in, in advance of free agency. And I said something like, how's it going? And he said, oh, this is really different, you know. And in Hamilton, to be honest, the last few years especially, all we really did was work on re-signing our own guys. You know, we weren't really going into the market. Maybe here one or two guys, but all of our efforts and our energy and our concentration and our analysis was on our own guys. And here, yeah, we're going to be going out into the market a little more. So, you know, I, they definitely, I think, have done a good. I think, I think, you know, some of the things we believe are happening with Toronto, you know, with Jagari Davis likely going there, with John Mechie done there. Uh, they've got Juwan Breskison back, who kind of fell below the radar last year. I mean, you know, Breskison had a kind of a breakout year in 2017. Then he got hurt in 20, sorry, in 2018, 2019. He got hurt with Calgary. You know, then they missed the season in 20 and he had an injury last year, but he, he just turned 29 last month, you know, and he's not a guy, a lot of guy with a ton of tread on the tires. So, you know, I thought that was a good one for them as well. Uh, you mentioned Chris Strudler, uh, any smoke on him coming back North of the border or uh, will that be something that sort of takes a while? We shouldn't expect anything happening this week. Well, I think there's, there's two categories there. One is, you know, would somebody want him to come in and be a backup or a one a, or would somebody actually want to make him be their starter? And because you know, the starter, you think the conversation is going to start at $400,000, basically, right? That's if I, I would think um, in the backup, you're talking probably, you know, under two, wherever you go. So it's, it's a different economic. All I, all I really know about Chris Trevler is that he does have some interest in NFL teams. You know, at this point, he's a free agent, he's been a free agent for about a month. There's nothing stopping an NFL team from signing him yesterday. So, you know, but I, I think there is some teams that are still interested in him. But I'm led to believe that if he did not get an NFL contract for 2021, or excuse me, for 2022, he was not one of those guys who was going to sit out the year, you know, and say, okay, I'm going to give it and hope to get a call sometime in July, August, October, whatever, you know, that he wanted to play this year. So, you know, that I, I think the combination of not getting an NFL deal and if he got offered starters money in Canada, I think he would come back. Um, if he doesn't get an NFL deal and he only gets offered backup money in Canada, I think it's a big maybe and probably a no. Um, is my, would be my instincts, but uh, but that's that's what that's kind of where it's at. I, I don't think we're going to see him staying at home on his couch rather than playing football in 2022. Dave, great stuff. Hey, just uh, on the way uh, on the way out, let me ask you. Um, uh, tomorrow uh, for uh, the uh, you know when things get going at noon Eastern. Yeah. Who are the um who are the, the the few free agents maybe that we haven't talked about that are the most intriguing to you that um, you know, could make a big difference that everyone seems to be uh have interest in? Let me uh give me my list here for a second. I'm just gonna just going to uh because I, I did make a lot of notes on this kind of exact topic that you uh you just raised. So let me just see because I got a bunch bunch of pads here open. Okay, let me just see. Okay, some guys that I'm interested in that I'm sort of curious about. Let's see. And some of these guys I haven't heard very much about, but I'm just going to shoot a bunch of names at you. You ready? You bet. Patrick Levels. Don Yunamba. Ricky Collins. Um, Frankie Williams. Uh, I had Darvin Adams on that list. Uh, I think William Powell's going to Ottawa, we believe, right? So that one's there. Uh, Mark Keith Ambles in Calgary. Uh, Michael O'Connor, I think, is one. Uh, Eric Moncrief. Matthew Betts. Jack Johnson. Javier Posey. 
How's that? Those are names that uh, that I've been putting together. That I honestly, a lot of those guys, I don't have a lot of information on, but they're all guys that I think are you know kind of that next tier. If they you know either a guy looking for a breakout year or a bounce back year, mm-hmm. um, you know, or maybe just kind of a little a little lower down the top tier of, of players in, in terms of where the market is right now. Well, I can tell you what, it's going to be an exciting day for CFO fans and certainly for CFL media. I know you'll be doing Sports Center hits. What else will be uh, keeping you busy tomorrow? Just uh, be firing uh, reports both out to Twitter and uh, TSN.ca. Filing, filing reports, uh, jumping on TSN.ca, you know, looking a little different than I do right now, and uh, <laughs> and probably cranking a column or something at some point. It, it's it'll be a busy day, and uh, and it, it's it's been interesting. There's feels like there's a lot more deals done, you know, leading into the opening of free agency than there was a year ago, and just teams acknowledging what you know what we all kind of know to be true. So. All right, our pal Nails joining us a day ahead of CFL free agency. Uh, we'll have to check in. We'll get bombing on the program at some point this week as well for his thoughts on what's going on with the Bombers and around the Canadian Football League, uh, as well as all the follow from tomorrow. And we'll be able to follow it live as we are on the air tomorrow at 1 o'clock, a couple hours after CFL free agency officially begins. Uh, a, a big cheers to our friends at Little Brown Jug. And you know what? A cheers to Ryan Friesen. Ryan did pay his bet on the weekend. I used the $40 to enjoy a couple of nice, delicious 1919s at one of my favorite local watering holes. You can do the same by popping down a little brown jug on William Avenue and pick up that great 1919, the Brood IPA, and the little brown jug double, which is a very popular winter beer. Be a little romantic as well, getting ready for Valentine's Day next week. Uh, malt forward abbey style ale with rich dark whole fruit flavors of course and it and the rest of the little brown jug beer line is available for home delivery as well little brown jug delivers beer straight to your door three days a week on wednesday friday and saturday you can order online right now at littlebrownjug.ca or pop down and see them in person down at william avenue at the brewery of course princess auto um, man, we had some fun talking Scotties last week, and our Princess Auto Curling Report is all about Carrie Anerson. Not one, not two, but three-time defending Scotties Canadian Women's Champion. She and her teammates will be back on track to the World Championships. Again, coming up, I believe, in Prince George a little later on. It wasn't as um, great a weekend for Rachel Holman and John Morris at the Olympics. They lost a do-or-die game last night on the final stone to uh, miss qualifying for the medal round. Unfortunate for uh, Canada and for Holman and Morris, but we still do have opportunities for two gold medals, including Brad Jacob, uh, Brad Gushu's rink, and of course, Team Jennifer Jones, proudly sponsored by our friends over at Princess Auto. Uh, of course, Princess Auto is where you find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Visit them at one of two local locations, or you can shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Um, and the Jets are back tomorrow. We're going to have some fans in the building. Of course, great spot before or after every game is to pop by and see Crystal and all our friends over at the Boston Pizza City Place. And if you're not going to the game, uh, no better place to get together with the gang to watch it than in the Boston Pizza Lounge. Enjoying ice-cold schooners, gourmet pizzas, world-famous Boston's wings. It doesn't get much better than that. And if you want to order inside, don't bother cooking tonight. Check out their great game day deals and more and order online 
at bostonpizza.com. All right, let's get Michael Remus back in here. And Reem, just uh, following up our conversation with Naylor, who uh, joined me just before we went live today. He had a couple press conferences this afternoon. Interesting tweet just in the last five minutes from Naylor. I think it's still possible Andrew Harris could be with the Bombers this season. Wouldn't expect the role or compensation to be the same as what he's had, but that's part of playing the game in your mid-30s. Um, he's been. We know what he is worth to this team and to the community, um, but again, these are very difficult decisions to be made under a salary cap system. Um, but man, I think I speak for uh, the majority of Bomber fans hoping there's a way that he can be packed part of a three-headed monster in the backfield with two other very talented young Canadian running backs in the newly re-signed Johnny Augustine and Brady Oliveira. Yeah, there's some tough decisions, and that's what happens when you have a pretty good team that's up, you know, with a salary cap league. You got to make tough decisions, and you know they brought back Oliveira and Augustine, and Kyle Walter said, you know, the start of the offseason that it was going to be tough to bring back all three, and Andrew Harris was making top dollar, and you gave some other guys raises like uh, Zach Caleros. And I think it's tough to keep everyone. I also think he's at a position running back where you can plug a lot of guys in. Now, there's only one Andrew Harris has, you know, one of the best to ever do it and one of the best Canadians, I mean, ever. It's, so it's really tough call. I mean, he's, Jeff said, a franchise guy, fan favorite. I mean, to say, no, it, it kind of makes reminds me of like uh, when the Cardinals had to let go of Albert Pujols and let him go. Maybe Harris is not, is a bit, I think a bit older than Pujols was, but the same thing, you know, a franchise guy, a guy who's meant a lot to your team, at a certain point you have to, you know, you have to uh, end the ties and, you know, maybe it's better to do it too early than too late. Here's the thing about Harris. Um, you know, he is what, 34 approaching 35, which is ancient for a professional football player, especially a running back. But the guy's a freak of nature. Um, you know, he continues what was the Bombers' record last year with him playing? 7-0? and And I guess they didn't lose a lot of football games. But, um, you know, the guy has been a difference maker. And even in the Grey Cup game, in the last time he's played with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, went for about 80 yards. I mean, continually moves the chain and is also a real emotional leader for the team um, in that dressing room, off the field, and a massive part of what the Bombers have done in the community. So, um, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. Andrew Harris not being a Blue Bomber next year. The one thing that I do know, Reem, is that it's pretty clear that he wants to play. He told us himself when he joined us a few weeks back on Winnipeg Sports Talk. I have no doubt that Andrew Harris can still play. He can still contribute. Now, I know there were some issues. Um, I guess him and the Bombers had some differences about what, you know, coming, what being prepared for camp. Sorry, I might be speaking out of turn here. But he, bottom line is, he was hurt this year. I know he said he wasn't happy about that. Again, I mean, that's just what happens when you get older, you get hurt. I mean, Ottawa tried to go in with Mike Smith uh, as goalie. Of course, you know, he ended up getting hurt this year. Now, Harris is not quite uh, as old as Mike Smith. But, I mean, I think the bottom line is if you didn't have these two guys waiting in the wings, ready to go, ready for bigger roles, Johnny Augustine, 7.1 yards a carry last year, um, you know, maybe you wouldn't feel okay about, you know, about this. But, again, a tough call. Glad I don't have to make it. But it seems like... They're on the way to be. I just, it's hard to imagine, especially us, if he were to be on uh, the Riders. Oh, that would that would make it really bad. That would make it. I mean, if you go nah. to BC, they haven't had a running back. You know, they barely used one last year. But William Powell went to Ottawa. Like, 
I don't know. That's that would be a bad. Get, that, that'd be hard. Be man. a hole. If Harris felt really jilted and there was a legit offer from Saskatchewan on, I'm sure he's never realistically thought about going and playing for the Riders. Um, but if that is his option to continue to play and he knows he's going to get a chance to stick it to his old team, um, you know, I think we'd be seeing the best of Andrew Harris at his age with playing a real chip on his shoulder. Hopefully it doesn't come to that. And as we just read from Dave Naylor, certainly the door is not closed on Andrew Harris with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But I will say this, I think with the deals to Augustine, as well as Oliveira, this contract offer will obviously look considerably different than uh, the one that has been put in front of him for uh, the last number of years as such a major, major part of the Winnipeg Blue Bomber offense. Uh, we'll have bombing on the program tomorrow. We'll get the latest on that situation and more on CFL free agency. Hey, speaking of football, Reem, Super Bowl week is here. It'll be interesting to see what this week is like. Um, you know, obviously people that remember the show, I mean, Gary and I did a number of Super Bowls together and really Radio Row uh, every year is, I mean, it's the coolest week in the industry each and every season. But as companies have cut people and cut budgets, um, it has really been diminished over the last number of years. And I saw a picture last night from my buddy Gabe Morenci and saw Radio Row, and it looked like it was about 15% to the size that you know, we remember from some of the uh, the Super Bowls four, five, six, seven years ago. Um, all that being said, it's a really interesting matchup. you got the home team Rams going at it. You've got the Cincinnati Bengals, the upstart underdogs. Um, so I'm interested to see what sort of hype we get going into the, into the week. Um, certainly great quarterback stories on both sides, and... Um, those stories will be told over and over again all week long. Um, but I am interested in just what we see media-wise from it. I know Rocky was asking, I think it was Rocky who was asking if we were going. We won't be there this year. Would love to do it again next season. And I think that certainly is a possibility along with some other um, things that we've got planned to take the show on the road. Uh, but I am getting a little bit of FOMO right now knowing that it is Super Bowl week and they're in LA of all these things as we've been going through well, seems like 20 weeks of minus 30 here in Winnipeg as we get to the final game of the season. I'm going to be honest. Like, I was putting together our our notes for today, and I did our all-star game notes. I did some NHL notes. I'm trying to keep up with everything from CFL offseason and Olympics yesterday. We went through that at the beginning of the show. I was like, oh, yeah, the Super Bowl is on Sunday. I almost <laughs> I almost forgot. I was so wrapped up in Trevor Zegras's move at the all-star game. I completely forgot Super Bowl, but uh, maybe because it's Monday, you know, we're waiting for everyone to arrive in, in, uh, sorry, I was say Vegas in LA for the Super Bowl. And I'm sure I'll get fired up as we go on and I'll be looking at, uh, you know, whatever daily fantasy stuff or, you know, prop bets are available. I mean, I don't really have a dog in the race here. I think it'd be cool if uh, LA won in LA. Also, be happy for Matt Stafford after spending. Having his career wasted uh, in Detroit, going to LA and you know winning one in the first year, but also Joe Burrow is a great story too. I mean, oh, yeah. Cincinnati first time in thirty years winning a playoff game. So there's I'm riding with Winnipeg Walter. Um, you know his <clears throat> team beat the Chiefs twice. They did it in incredible fashion in the playoffs, and uh, I said afterwards, "Good on them." I will support the Who Day Nation in the Super Bowl. Uh, it'll be great. Hey, they've been underdogs. Well, I guess they weren't underdogs against the Ra against the Raiders, uh, but they were big underdogs against the Titans. They were big underdogs against the Chiefs, and they're big underdogs again against the Rams. And I think that's exactly the way the Bengals would like it. So 
We will certainly talk more Super Bowl as we get closer to the game on the weekend. Uh, maybe we'll bring in Coolback Chris before, uh, before um, maybe on Friday's show for a bit of a uh, gambling look at everything that is available to bet on up uh, for Super Bowl Sunday. Always one of the biggest days of the week and uh, biggest gambling days of the year. Uh, we'll have some fun. We'll kind of get to that in our cool bet lines a little bit later on. That being said, Remus, the Pro Bowl did take place yesterday. And I realized there's nothing more degenerate than betting on the Pro Bowl. Hands up. I did have a little wager on the AFC. Shout out to them for covering the minus two and a half point spread. Uh, but because I did have a sprinkle on it, I did watch a good portion of it. And oh my God, was it terrible. It has essentially disintegrated into a pseudo game of two-hand touch where guys don't really know if they're tackled or not. Funniest bit in the entire game was Mac Jones running 90 yards for what he thought was a touchdown, only to realize that I guess he had been touched earlier and it didn't count. Uh, But I get it. I mean, I don't know how you make the Pro Bowl better. I mean, if you're actually going to have a quote-unquote game with NFL rules and NFL timing, um, none of these guys want to get hurt. I mean, they're more concerned about, you know, getting their contracts and playing next year. So I don't really know what the solution to it is. They added a few cool new things in the uh, in the skills competition, especially with the receivers. But at the end of the day, I mean, the Pro Bowl, frankly, should maybe just be a party and, uh, you know, a bunch of skills type um, skills type events, including like, I don't know, an obstacle course and some things or race uh, because the game itself is an absolute dog's breakfast. I saw some videos on Twitter of like, uh, you know, Jonathan Taylor, you know, running and guys are just like, it's like when you used to play in the school, you're like two hand touch. And yes, you know, some guys didn't know if they were tackled or not, or saw a pick six where like no one even bothered to try. And, you know, just like sticking your arm out, you know, it's, I've never watched the Pro Bowl. I've never been into it. And sorry, I got, I've been eating something, got on my microphone. And uh, I've never been into it. And, uh, <laughs> And so yeah, it just proves my point yesterday. What a waste of time. Unless you bet on it. I hear there, I hear there's, you can make a lot on if you pay attention for betting or daily fantasy. But in terms of, I don't know what you, I think make, make it a flag football game. I have no, I have no idea. Something like that. I mean, I don't know. Like Jeff Kabila say the Pro Bowl should be the Jags versus the Lions for the first overall pick. I have heard something like that. Um, it would be hilarious with what was traditionally their all-star game turning into a feature of the two worst teams in the league playing for the opportunity to pick first. I guess the one point is what the hell would the players think about that? I mean, Oh great. You finished last. So you have to go to play in the pro bowl a month and a half or a month after your last game. And the reward for this is you get the first overall pick of a guy that might take your job next season because you were on a terrible football team. I don't know whether that's going to work, but I'm here for all of the ideas. But Remo, a big story today in the NFL, coming from the world of social media, how freaked out should Cardinal fans be that former number one overall pick and franchise quarterback Kyler Murray has unfollowed the Cardinals and scrubbed any and all evidence of any connection with the franchise from his Instagram page right now? Very worried. I would say I would be, wouldn't be able to sleep. As I know Jeff Cabellas and Chad is a big Cards fan, but I think if you're actively going on your social media and deleting every picture of you in a Cardinals uniform and taking it away from your description, something's up. That's that's really bad, man. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to make of this. 
I find it very interesting. I'm here for the story. Anytime an athlete goes and makes changes, like, I, oh, yeah, unfollowed his employer on social media, not, it's not good. I don't know what's up. Maybe difference of opinion with the coach, but I would, I would be pretty worried. Uh, Let's face it. This is like a, this is like a, a, you know, like a relationship and there's nothing more official in 2022. If you're breaking up with someone that you clean out all their pictures from your feet. Mm -hmm. And when people go, they're wondering, Oh, what you're up to. I wonder if he's with anyone and you go and look and all of the pictures that you used to all the lovey dovey things with your ex are taken away. That says free agent in life. And Kyler Murray um, today doing the internet breakup with his team, the Arizona Cardinals. And now maybe this has something to do with Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, Kingsbury was basically bought, brought in to be the offensive mastermind behind a team that, and he wanted, he wanted Kyler Murray. They picked him number one overall, and they've had some success. They've had terrible ends to the season the last couple of years, but they've certainly won a bunch of football games with them. But the way the playoffs went in the end of the season, there was a lot of question as to whether Cliff would still be around. Technically, he has a job right now, um, so I'm not sure whether there's stuff going behind the scenes. But tell you what, on a slow Monday of Super Bowl week when the teams are just coming in, not really starting to practice around L.A. yet, uh, I'm sure this, despite the fact that it was simply an act on one player's social media page, is going to be getting a ton of run around NFL convos for the next 24 hours. Uh, yeah, that, I see a lot of people talking about it already. It's, um, I mean, I don't, again, I don't know what to make. It's just interesting. And I love how like someone, you know, I guess went to his page and discovered that all the reference to the Cardinals is gone. So seemingly he's breaking up with them, but what was going to happen? I don't know, but something, something's off or what's the, what excuse he comes up Oh no, you know, my I got hacked or yeah. I <laughs> my hacked. dog my kid took my phone and deleted a bunch of stuff or just things uh, with Arizona, just things with the Cardinals yeah. on it. Um yeah. there there are a couple of notes from the National Football League and um, you know, a couple of coaching notes. Mike McDaniel is the new head coach of the Miami Dolphins. You may even not have heard about Mike McDaniel, who was a coordinator under Kyle Shanahan uh in San Francisco the last couple of years uh, has had some hilarious press conferences. Um, he looks like, like a 25 year old intern, uh, which I think adds to maybe some of the comedy that he's been able to deliver. Uh, but it sounds like they're going to be going after a Vic Fangio to be the defensive coordinator. Uh, but I'll tell you what, Reem, I mean, there was all this talk and certainly going back to the Brian Flores lawsuit, Brian Flores was apparently in for the Texans job. That's not happening. They were apparently going to promote and hire Josh McCown. And I think they got some real pushback on that. Um, and now it looks like they are going to bring in a person of color, former Bucks and Bears head coach, Lovey Smith, back on the sidelines reportedly as the coach of the Houston Texans. Now they've said for 2022, I'm not sure whether this means he's going to be one and done, much like David Cully was, who I think got a real raw deal in Houston, considering the dog's breakfast that he was served up personnel-wise without Deshaun Watson last year. Uh, but a couple more vacancies filled right now as we uh, get into uh, the meat of Super Bowl week in the NFL. Yeah, we do have all these uh, coaching vacancies that we're dealing with. So NFL offseason in full swing. Seems like the drama in the NFL uh, doesn't end. And we did have... What, at Pro Bowl weekend in Las Vegas, Alvin Kamara getting into a battery 
incident. I don't know what like, that what happened? means for him. He beat the hell out of someone He's, at a club? Yeah. Apparently, this was a club incident. He played in the Pro Bowl and then was basically arrested right after the, after the Pro Bowl and got taken down to the Clark County Detention Center to... Uh, I guess get into the paperwork and uh, figure out what's next, but uh, not the story. Oh, listen, if there was going to be a star player getting in a fight in a club and being arrested, better Alvin Kamara than Kyle Connor. Uh, but uh, listen, <laughs> I mean, these guys, these guys are professionals. They know what comes in the ter- with the territory. Crazy that in 2022, we're hearing a story like this happen for such a big time, well-known player like Alvin Kamara. I know I was a big Kamara fan. Love when he uh, gets the ball. He's a great fantasy player, you know, always gets receptions, except when it's Taysom Hill at uh, quarterback. Deal all Kamara's carries, but uh, definitely disappointing to see this as someone who's been uh, a fan of Alvin Kamara. So we'll see what comes up and what it means for him uh, going forward. Uh, T. Kona Pauly Huss, any news on Gus? Uh, well, no news on anyone from the Winnipeg Jets, but there is a late practice today starting at 4 o'clock, I guess, allowing guys to get back into town from wherever they've been. Uh, of course, tomorrow's a game, so no time to sort of ease into it. Dave Lowry will put the guys through the paces tomorrow, this afternoon. And at that point, I'm sure we'll hear some updates. I mean, I'd be interested to hear how Nikolai Ehlers is doing. Um, he's not even eligible to come off the uh, list until next week. But I think there still is some questions as to how much longer he'll be. Um, and a, certainly a guy like Gustafson, as well as a number of the defensemen that were out week to week before the play, before the All-Star break, we'll get updates on that. So we'll hit all of that tomorrow. And of course, get ready for a big game, the first of the remaining 40 for the Winnipeg Jets at home against the Minnesota Wild. And we do have to get to the cool bet lines in a second. Got to give a big shout out to our friends, the Nick and Nikki DQ group. You know, it was so nice, relatively speaking, on the weekend. It felt like blizzard weather, not the blizzard warning and the legit blizzard we had last week, but, you know, one of those delicious ice cream treats from our friends at Nick and Nikki DQ with four locations, the DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. Um, so while we're going to actually hit freezing, a couple times this week so you can put the shorts on and head down to dq uh, and get a blizzard while you're there check out the buffalo chicken fingers of course the ultimate grill burger and more and if you do have an event coming up it's always better with a world famous dq cake you can hit them up on instagram at dq manitoba and uh you will be able to order your custom dq cake and have it ready for you fast and easy at any of the four nick and nicky dq locations hey a big shout out and congratulations to colin jensen who, as he described to me on the weekend, is the reigning Marbles champion on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, got a nice Canadian club package put together for Colin. He, of course, won a hoodie, but Colin was kind enough to uh, have already purchased one. So we got a T-shirt for him and a, a nice bottle of Canadian club for his win. If you don't have a Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodie or would like to check out the merchandise, do us a favor. Go to this website, winnipegsportstalk.com. Uh, hit the store and you'll see all of the options there really appreciate all the support from everybody and of course your next chance to win one of those hoodies is this friday with our marble race sponsored by our friends at canadian club and uh we will have canadian club on sale all the month of february at your local manitoba liquor marts look for the display great prices all month long on original cc canadian club 100 rye and canadian club 12 year reserve all this month at your local manitoba liquor marts and we'll do our next contest the marble race coming up on friday heading in to 
Super Bowl week. Uh, Remo, not a ton going on tonight, but we do actually have a couple of hockey games. Um, no waiting to get right back into it. Jersey and Ottawa and the Carolina Hurricanes playing the Toronto Maple Leafs. Not sure whether Freddie Anderson's going to get the start against his old club or whether he will have the night off coming back from the All-Star game. But, um, you know, a couple games to bet on. If you like Ottawa, a minus 132 favorite to New Jersey, who, of course, will be without Jack Hughes, who tested positive upon his return to the club. Uh, so he's on the list for a few days. And the Toronto Maple Leafs, a minus 139 favorite against the Carolina Hurricanes coming out of the gate. I'm interested to see what these games look like, Reem, because, um, you know, obviously the teams, if they were able to, maybe did a little skate last year, but just getting right back into it. And then a full slate of games tomorrow with, uh, what, seven games in the National Hockey League is uh, all of these rescheduled and made-up games are about to get going in the month of February. Yeah, I don't know if you heard us, what the Jets have, um, what is it, 40 games in 81 days? I have heard. Well, have I you have heard, heard. Have you Sounds heard like that a busy one? schedule. Yeah, Jets 40. Help me read it. Yeah, 40 games in 81 days coming up. It's going to be a tough one. I wonder how much uh, load management we're going to see. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting that they None. do return tomorrow. <laughs> there, there's no option. I mean, you don't they're think too they... far down in the standings for any sort of load management. It's all hands on deck every night for the Winnipeg Jets for 40 games. And, you know, we'll see if they can stay in it. Mm -hmm. Well, first and foremost, win some games and get back into the conversation and stay in. And, you know, I mean, from a Jets fan perspective, you're certainly hoping they can win enough games where they're not obvious sellers at the deadline. But it's hard to ignore that possibility right now, considering the way the first 42 went to the season. Yeah, I mean, I was looking at someone's like, how did the Blues get into the playoffs that time, you know, a couple of years ago? They went like 30, 10, and 5 in their final half of the season. Now the Jets have a little less runway than that. So um, it's going to be, going to be tough. Said, you got to win three of every five and then plus bank a few more points. I mean, 24, 11, and 5 will probably get you in. Uh, but that's still winning like 24 of 40 is winning three of every game. And then, you know, mixing in at least five extra points for that. So um, should be a great test to do it against the wild coming right out of the gate. And we talked about these five game segments, Remo, there's eight left of them. You got to win three of each. Um, this is, this is a huge one beginning five straight divisional games starting tomorrow with the Minnesota wild. Oh yeah, season starts today. Or sorry, tomorrow. Uh, they got <laughs> well. They do have uh, with practice day at four. So we'll wait and see what comes from uh, what comes from that. But yeah, busy week ahead. Minnesota on uh, tomorrow, and then Friday, Saturday, Dallas, Nashville. But next week you got Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday. Uh, so a lot of a lot of games. Hey, Monday, eight p.m. home game uh, next month, a week from today against Chicago. Uh, actually, eight so o'clock start that night yeah. on Valentine's Day. Eight, yeah, it's nice. You get a nice dinner in. You know, you're probably feeling pretty good after the Super Bowl day. That sounds like a good game. It's actually supposed to be an Offspring concert on the 14th at Canada Life, but that that got postponed. Now I yeah, know I'm why. Sure, all those tours right now are pretty much uh, pretty much canceled. I'm still though. waiting. I'm still waiting. Rage Against the Machines has been postponed like three times here. They still haven't announced a date when it's going to be. I've been holding on to these tickets. Live Nation has had my money for like two years. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully they're, uh, you know, getting some good interest. Uh, I mean, those weren't cheap tickets. They're holding a lot of my cash right now, Live Nation. So uh, it'd be interesting to find out how much they can make off interest by just holding on to 
the amount that people paid for tickets for these postponed shows mm-hmm. that have gone basically a couple years. Here's it's my insane. prediction. You'll eventually get a refund at some point. It won't include in- interest because I don't think Rage Against the Machine is going to be raging in Winnipeg anytime. I, they better be. I need to go to a, I need to go to a con- concert. I haven't been to one in a long, uh, long time. I guess we're winding down, Huss. I did want to bring up one thing. We didn't talk about this on Friday. The Chicago Blackhawks uh, doing their GM search. Oh. And I think if you're a Jets fan, you're going to be pretty excited when you saw that they interviewed Peter Chiarelli, a current Blues VP of Hockey Operations and former Oilers GM. Uh, gave them the nice parting gift of the Koskinen contract. I'm hoping they sign Peter Chiarelli, but they're doing this thing. I haven't seen this where teams announce who they're interviewing. I guess, you know, no, no need for insiders anymore where you just leak it yourself. So they inter- they've already interviewed uh, the current interim GM, Kyle Davidson, Carolina Hurricanes assistant GM, uh, Eric Tulski, former Montreal assistant GM, Scott Mellonby. And today they co- announced they completed an interview with Jeff Greenberg. Who's that? He's currently the assistant GM with the Chicago Cubs. I don't know. I thought that was, he's got a, what, he's been with the Cubs since 2012. He's got a law background. Um, I don't know what to make of that. I just find that interesting. I wonder what he could bring to baseball. I feel like baseball has been very forward thinking, not using, uh, you know, just baseball guys as GMs, you know, starting with what Theo Epstein like years ago. I wonder, I don't know what he would bring to the Blackhawks. I just find that interesting. Is Joe Mack getting an interview? Yeah. I don't know if they're going for football, <laughs> football guys too, but uh, we'll wait and hey. see what happens there in Chicago. Yeah, you know what? Listen, I think some outside of the box thinking is, uh, you know, always welcome. Whether they make that decision or not, we, we will see. I can't tell you that listening to uh, the boys over on twelve sixty in Edmonton talk about Peter Shirelli getting the uh, getting the interview um, that has given them no shortage of um, of content and entertainment to talk about that uh, Oiler fans either can't possibly hear or can't get enough of, considering the way his tenure ended in uh over uh, over in in all seriousness um like if you're looking for a gm and you looked at peter trelli's resume why would you want to hire him i know that he's got experience but i mean some of the moves questionable i mean he took so many l's in trades during i mean his reign in edmonton was an unmitigated disaster I mean, you, you come into a situation with that sort of talent and end up getting, you know, fired the way. And, you know, the Koskinen contract was just the the cherry on top of the Sunday. The fact that that happened mm-hmm. like a day before he got fired and then they're still dealing with it today. And, you know, to the criticism of Ken Holland, have still not done anything with the goaltending position other than re-sign Mike Smith, who's always hurt and hasn't been able to help. Although, hey, they won a bunch of games going into the All-Star break. They're a lot happier in Edmonton than they were a couple weeks ago. Um, hey, just before we finish, I mentioned there's a couple games that you can get on tonight at Cool Bet. Uh, of course, they also have a full selection of Olympic odds available for you. And of course, tonight is a little ice hockey action between Canada and the United States. Uh, let's see what the number is. Canada plus 110 to win in regulation. USA plus 190 to win in regulation. And a draw is three to one. That game going at 10 o'clock p.m. Again, if you've never bet a cool bet before, use the promo code WST for a uh, 100% deposit on your first deposit up to $200.
Uh, and there's all sorts of things you could bet on Olympic-wise over at uh, at, at CoolBet.com. Um, tonight, Remo, what do we got? We've got the Women's Free Ski Big Air Final. We've got Parallel Giant Slalom Qualifications and Snowboarding. Uh, the Men's Super G Final in Alpine Skiing. That gets going at, t- at 9 p.m. our time. That's always quite a popular event. Um, and then, of course, we have the Canada-USA game. That'll be a huge game on a number of channels in a number of languages. Uh, and then a little later on tonight, if you do like the mixed doubles, the uh, bronze medal game uh, will be coming up a little later on tonight. Throughout the evening, uh, what do they got? Biathlon, a little more hockey, uh, women, Japan, and the Czech Republic. 1,500-meter men's speed skating finals at 4.30 in the morning. Cross-country skiing, a, a individual sprint free final is at 4.30 a.m., Oh, and then we're going to get into some luge. If you get up early, 5.50 a.m., women's singles beats three and four in the luge. So uh, you know what? It's been a little slow for our pro sports the last couple days. Shout out to uh, it was some great golf on the weekend. By the way, HV3, Harold Varner III, holding out on the final hole for his second playoff win and a huge check in uh, Saudi Arabia. He now uh, shoots into the top 50. And if he can stay there up until the 28th of March, he will get an invitation to the Masters. And uh, man, I've had some tough luck in the lock shop. I was riding Jordan Spieth at 22 to 1. He bogeyed 17. And out of the blue, Tom Hoagie birdies three of the last four holes and wins his first PGA Tour event at Pebble Beach. First win in 203 starts for Tom Hoagie. So a couple good guys getting big wins, but uh, a bit of a heartbreaker for yours truly after what happened to Zalatoris last week, losing in the playoff. Yeah, there you go. I guess golf season underway, baseball. I'm starting to plan my fantasy baseball. We got Olympics. I don't know how I'm going to manage all this hockey, NHL hockey and Olympics. It's uh, going to be a jam-packed week here. Of course, CFL free agency. I mean, we know a lot of the stuff, but officially kicking off tomorrow so there is yeah. is is busy oh yeah and, and the super bowl how could i forget i almost forgot again yes super bowl is happening oh and by the way waiters was asking if uh if the 1290 30 for 30 is going to be released on wednesday i yes. don't believe that is ready to be released yet but we will work on uh, having a few familiar voices and great friends of ours jump on mm-hmm. on wednesday's show so uh should be great thanks to everyone for popping by if you haven't already do us a favor hit that thumbs up button and make sure you've subscribed uh and again to everyone listening on the podcast thanks for making us a part of your day if you can give us an apple or spotify review and a five-star rating we would greatly appreciate it uh, a big thanks to all of our sponsors we mentioned cool bet we'll get chris on at some week to uh, sometime this week to prep us all for what's available to bet on for the Super Bowl. Canadian Club Whiskey, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug, Not Auto Corp, Royal Sports, Manitoba Battery, Culligan Water, Vita Health Fresh Market, and of course our friends over at F Apparel. Thanks to Dave Naylor for joining us. Thanks to Jeff Hamilton. All of you for joining us live on uh, the uh, YouTube today. Everyone listening on the podcast and of course the thanks to Michael Remus the CTO getting us on and off the air with some uh, great chatting today. Folks, have yourself a great afternoon. We'll see you tomorrow. Bombing will join us. We'll get ready for Jets Wild and the uh, beginning of this 40-game sprint to the finish for the Winnipeg Jets all tomorrow on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Have a great night. Thanks. Sorry, before we go, not bombing. John Hodge on tomorrow.
Oh, John Hodge, excuse me. We'll try I again. screwed that up. Yeah. Bombing, though, we will put an invite out. Maybe we'll bring bomb bombing back with a bunch of the uh, TSN boys, uh, our former TSN boys, on Wednesday. Anyways, the invite's out for bombing. John Hodge on free agency tomorrow from Three Down Nation. That'll be great. Jets getting ready to play and much, much more. Thank you for the correction, Remo. Thanks no to everyone in chat. Um, have yourself a great night. We'll see you tomorrow, 1 p.m. right here on WST. Oh, my God. Shut it down! Oh, Let's go home! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.